Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Don't you ever be lonely, a poor little fool like me. Whoa! The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. <laughs> It is Friday, October 25th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's another Ramana Rundown with Sun-Times editor Ramana Hussein. Jeffrey Howard of SEIU Local 73 will be joining us. And it's the long-awaited return of horse, horse, host of the Doris Davenport. See what I did there, Doris and host. Host of the Doris Davenport Show. Yeah, Doris Davenport. And now your host. Host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling. They got a million of them Friday. And here's why. Day seven of the teacher strike days. Getting a little grim out there. Thank goodness. Never thought these words would come out of my mouth. Thank goodness for the Chicago Tribune editorial page. All right. They add a little levity uh, to the situation. Very grim out there. I'm hoping there's a settlement. The word in the street is there's a settlement. Here's the word. Settlement, settlement. But anyway, I woke up today and I read the Tribune's editorial. And people always go, Ben, why do you read Tribune's editorials? And I'm always like, well, you know, I want to read the other side, D. I want to have an open mind, all right? Maybe they'll convince me with their brilliant logic and insightful uh, thoughts. So here we go. I read the Tribune editorial. One more time, they're demanding the teachers cave in and go back to work. Shut up and take the money, seems to be the general attitude. Uh, the point of the editorial is that there is a growing number of people who are opposing the teachers. Mm. And here's what the, here's the part that mm. I found most interesting. Enlighten us, please. <laughs> okay. Um, after they totally trash the teachers uh, and rip them, they said, we submit many Chicagoans are starting to oppose the teachers. We hear from them. There's a silent majority quietly rooting for Lightfoot, who won every city in the April mayoral election in this strike. But many of those Chicagoans are afraid to be public about their discontent with the labor union. They are afraid of the bullying. They don't want to appear anti-teacher. Wow. Where do I start with that paragraph? People are afraid of teachers, D, because teachers are such bullies. You know, when I think of a bully, I think of a teacher. Hey, kid, give me your money, huh? Yeah. It was always the teachers of the world. They were like shaking me down. Do you know how many kids I gave quarters to when I was in junior high? Not one of them was a teacher, I might tell you. And I did have that professor in high school. <laughs> what was his name? Professor Jerkface? Was he a bully? Big time. Oh, God, he's so mean. They're bullies, those teachers. Everybody's everybody's afraid of the teachers. If I say anything bad about the teachers, I'll get in trouble because they're bullies, okay? I'm going along because I'm afraid of the teachers. This is the funny thing about the Tribune, man. They represent corporate Chicago. They're the mouthpiece for the wealthiest, most powerful interests in the city of Chicago, and yet they feel compelled to sort of like pass themselves off as the underdog. We're sticking up for the 
silent majority out there that's afraid to speak up because of those bullying teachers. Let me tell you something. There may be a silent majority out there, but they're not afraid uh, to speak out on behalf of the teachers. I would say the silent majority would be the number of media people who are on the side of the teachers. Right now, let me see, I'm gonna tally up. All the media people that I know, D, who have been openly supportive of the Chicago public uh, school teachers in the strike. Let's see, there's me. And there's Maya. Maya. <laughs> there's two of them. You could fit the number of media types who support the teachers on the masthead of the Chicago Reader. Uh, well, wait, Miles. Got to throw Miles in there. But he writes for these times, so he's not technically uh, in Chicago Writer, if you will. It's a national publication. So, yes, it's not as though, you know, the, the editorial pages and the columnists of this town have been silent on the issue of how much they support Lori Lightfoot and how much they're against the teachers uh, in this strike. Let's be honest, Tribune, okay? It's not like you're all alone, courageously standing up against the mob. You are the voice that people read every single day denouncing the teachers and their stands. Now, how about the vast majority of Chicagoans? Well, let me point out at this uh, juncture, uh, the vast majority of Chicagoans did not participate in the last mayoral election. What was the percentage? The turnout was like 35%. 30-something. 30-something percent. So, uh, you know, I'm not a genius in math like the writers at the Chicago Tribune, but that tells me about 65% or so did not vote. 65% of the people in the city who could have voted did not vote. That's the silent majority, folks. They don't even participate in the process. Many of those people who did not vote, who do not participate, live in the low-income black and Hispanic wards that would benefit the most if Lori Lightfoot, Mayor Lightfoot, agrees with the teachers and decides to hire the nurses and the librarians and the social workers and the counselors uh, for the public schools that the, the teachers are insisting that she hire. So it's the very silent majority in the city that would benefit the most if Lori agrees with the teacher. Here's the deal. Absolutely everyone that I know in the city of Chicago talks a big game about breaking down the inequities that separate the poor from the wealthy in this town. But until the teachers had the guts to go on strike and demand that the city start breaking down those inequities by hiring nurses, counselors, social workers, etc. It was all talk. We got a great show today, everybody. Yes, indeed. Ramana Hussein will be here. Ramana Rundown. We're going to ask Ramana about the uh, AOC showdown with Mark Zuckerberg. I love that showdown, man. AOC. Come on. We could use a congresswoman like uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez in the city of Chicago. She was really, she stood up to Mark Zuckerberg. Interesting showdown. Also, I get an update uh, on Eddie Johnson Gate. Uh, maybe uh, I may throw a city club gate question at her. You know, Ooh. I love the other <laughs> city club gate. Again, Ramada's recommendations. Jeff Howard will be here from SEIU Local 73. Uh, his union is also on strike. They're the uh, uh, the support staff to the Chicago and the Chicago public schools. They're on strike as well. He should be here around two o'clock. Hey, so. for our oh, teachers. Hey. Oh, hey, for our teachers. There you go. Not Bruce. now, Rounder. Rounder. <laughs> hey, Trip. There's your silent majority, Bruce Rounder. Uh, and uh, at oh, Doris Davenport will be stopping. Stopping in at 2.30. We're going to be talking national politics with Doris. Love talking national politics with Doris uh, and get her thoughts on AOC Zuckerberg showdown. Interesting stuff. Should Facebook be forced 
to monitor the ads, the political ads they put in uh, that, that, that they uh, display uh, on their site. Should they be forced uh, to cor- p- get people to say the truth? Mark Zuckerberg says, no, it's too much work. Don't bother with free speech means allowing people to lie. So we'll get to see what Doris uh, Davenport has to say about that. So plenty of political talk, local, national, state, all that good stuff. Before we get to any of that, the pride and joy of Alton, the man they call the doctor with the news. Hey, guys, how's it going? I'm Dennis. All right, for the fourth and final time this week, let's talk about what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois Mm. this afternoon. First up, it's the Illinois governor. And for the record, I love puppies. (laughs) Who doesn't? (laughs) It's a tough stand. You know, he's taking the tough stand. I bet he's with the silent majority in that one, D. Everybody loves puppies. One Friday event listed for J.B. Pritzker, and that's a visit to Hope Church Springfield. Hope Church in Springfield. I can talk. And no, he's not there to pray for his popularity numbers to go up. We learned on Thursday that Pritzker's apparently the eighth most unpopular governor in the United States. He's not doing that, guys. He's attending the state police cadet class 129 graduation, welcoming 57 cadets to the ranks of ISP. And for those who may not be an Illinois political know-it-all, ISP stands for Illinois State Police. Oh, I just just want to make sure we're all on board. Good job. The governor did provide us with an update on what we here on the Ben Jarofsky Show are calling city club gate <laughs> for those who are unaware ben why don't you coach us up here what is city club gate again all right one more to danny mahopoulos uh, came on the show when are we dropping that one day little promotion of the bonus on saturday uh yeah saturday, young, saturday. young dan is a ace investigative reporter for wbez radio a good friend of this show and uh he tagged team with dave mckinney they did a great story boy that made my weekend reading this story about city club city club of course is that collection of do-gooders who gather i don't know once a week or once a month at a restaurant in downtown chicago to discuss the issues of the day all right you know discuss things like corruption and taxes and tiffs and they invite all the big shots to come speak and everybody acts as though they're all pure and innocent and they believe in truth and justice in the american way well it turns out that the president of the city club is a lobbyist for commonwealth edison and uh, sometime in may the feds came a knocking at his door uh at the city club's door looking for his i don't know what they're looking for young daniel and i speculate we talk a lot about what the feds could be investigating uh be having to do with commonwealth edison perhaps and michael joseph madigan the house speaker there's an investigation brewing uh folks and it's been going on in the uh, city of chicago and the outlying suburbs for quite a while the feds are zeroing in on somebody there's a lot of speculation. We don't know, but uh, they were looking for records and I, from the city club uh, uh, president. And I, I got to tell you, D, I just, <laughs> it's just, there's just something about that is so rich. If you know what the city club is and what they so represent, it just is like there's no place in Chicago that's not without like a, even a little suggestion, perhaps, of corruption. Now, come on now. You're a member of this club. Uh, okay, I am. I don't know if I'm technically. You a got ma- that certificate. Okay, hold on, hold, hold oh, well, on. We're not on video. Oh, we're not on video. Okay. 
<laughs> He's grabbing his City Club certificate. And I'm showing it to the camera that's broken. Oh, awesome. <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. And as I've, I like to point out in this show, every time we discuss the City Club, they invited me to come speak. Apparently, it was a, a slow month at the City Club. <laughs> hey, let's get that hippie guy on. You know, the weirdo. It's uh, always talking about tips. That guy. All right, we'll get him on. Nobody else will show up. So uh, they, they, I didn't want to go. Okay, it was right before the show. Dennis made me go. Folks, it may be my name on that little banner over there, but if you know how this thing works, Dennis calls the shot. You're going. Now get over there. He made me go. I rode my bike over there. <laughs> you rode your bike to the city <laughs> the club city meeting, club. all dressed up with a tie on and your bike. I did not have a tie. Let the record show. I hate ties. Yeah, anyway. blazer. I did have a blazer because it's a city club. Everybody's like, oh, hello, how are you? We're at the city club. Oh, man. There's no corruption in Chicago. We talk about it like it's an abstract thing. It exists somewhere outside like a TV show. And meanwhile, here come the feds. I didn't know the feds were coming. I did actually, but I think. I, wait, time out. When was I at the? Oh, it's in the fitty fitty uh, club. I was at the city club in May. That's when I got this thing. They gave me a certificate. It was a great day for me. I got the glass, the cup, which many of our guests drink out of. By the way, they yeah. enjoy it. And I, I just get them a plastic cup. You're giving them the same cup. You haven't washed it. I do wash it every time I get them water. I wash it. You wash it. You got soap under in your backpack there well, that I you're washing. Uh, you rinse yeah. it. No, but I put the. Don't tell them this but I put the soap that you wash your hands with. Isn't that oh good enough? God. I know. Oh, my God. The secrets <laughs> secrets are Let being... me handle the water uh, uh, for guests, please. That's uh, disgusting. Anyway, they gave me this certificate, and I love this certificate very much. It, we keep it right here in the studio. I'm very proud of my City Club certificate. The City Club's attitude with me was, who invited them? Get rid of them, and don't bring them back. But at least they haven't come a-knocking on my door yet. Uh-oh. <laughs> Wait a minute. You know, I could be in trouble, D, because uh, you never know. They know, Ben, we heard you were at the city club. So anyway, they investigated the city club. So <laughs> at first I felt bad about making you go, but man, we've gotten so much rich content from that. Isn't that right, Robert Mueller? That's correct. <laughs> no, plus we got the name card, which you can't see. Oh, I'll just show it to the camera that it doesn't work. Ben's used to the camera. <laughs> He's doing all the visible gags. Uh, anyway. All right, so, so now you know what the city, city club, club All is. the movers and shakers of Chicago who are agree with Tribune editorials. They show up at the City Club. And anyway, I got to go there once. The following comes from quite possibly the meanest Illinois political bulldog in the yard. The one, the only Rich Miller of CapitalFacts.com. Governor J.B. Pritzker has put a hold on appearances by state officials at the City Club of Chicago, <laughs> directing subordinates and agencies that report to him them to not participate in panels sponsored by the prominent public affairs group. I don't know. That's overreach. That's the City Club's fault that the feds came up. Knocking? Okay. <laughs> you can't go to the city club? That'd be like if uh, the library, if Chicago Public Library hit me. Oh, wait, we did away with fines. That'd be like if I got a parking ticket, D, and then suddenly, like, the head of the Democratic Party said, nobody can go in the Ben Jarofsky show because he got a parking ticket. <laughs> Come on, it's not the city club's fault. That there you go. Now, that's the city club <laughs> member attitude I want to hear. Stick up for your city club. Well, okay, technically, I'm not certain I'm a member. Although, did I tell you? Oh, yes. Hold on. I didn't read this thing. I never read the... The little thing they gave me, the well, little read certificate. What it says. Read what it says. I, I, you know what? I apologize, D. Okay. Did you read this thing? No, I just assumed you're a member if they I, gave you the damn thing. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> 
The City Club of Chicago presents Ben Jarofsky, and they spell my name correctly, D, presents Ben Jarofsky with an honorary one-year membership for his public policy forum series remarks, which have contributed to the making, which have contributed to making the City Club the premier public affairs forum in the state of Illinois. Hey, I'm a member. Way to go. Whoa, I'm a member of a club. I haven't been a member of a club since junior high when I was in a Y club. We were Horning Club. A what? <laughs> Horning. There was a football player for the Green Bay Packers. I don't, listen, I didn't name. It wasn't up to me, folks. If it was up to me, it would have been Sayers Club because I'm a Bears fan. But I joined the club after it was formed and they'd already named it for Paul Horning. Anyway, I haven't been in a club since 1968, so I'm a member of the City Club. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, wait, hold on. What? Does the White Sox fan club constitute a club? No. I believe it does. I guess so. The I word in club's the in there. <laughs> what are you talking about tonight? The first hint that Pritzker wanted to freeze relations with the club, a bipartisan group whose luncheon forums have included presidents, governors, mayors, and other dignitaries. Like Ben Jarofsky. Came earlier this week when an appearance by Illinois Tollway Executive Director Jose Alvarez was abruptly canceled. Yeah, I don't, no, I'm really, okay. I'm really trying to figure this out. Why can't you go to the city club? I mean, it's not like the club did anything wrong, right? I, I'm, I guess they just, they don't want anybody associated with anything that remotely resembles negative news. Is that it, D? I, I, I mean, it's not the club's fault, crying out loud. And where's Lori Life going to go for her luncheons now? That city club doesn't have those delicious luncheons. So, by the way, I didn't even eat my lunch. They gave me a lunch, I want to say this, but I was, you know, I had to speak. You know me, I don't like to eat before. It and hey, speaking of <laughs> luncheons. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. We have more updates on Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot's ongoing negotiations with the Chicago Teachers Union. She loves luncheons, everybody. Okay, so yes, our Chicago teachers are still on strike, and no, they have not worked out a deal. So yes, school was canceled today, and Yes, we are now in day seven of the Chicago teacher strike. I have no audio to play from the mayor this afternoon, but Lori Lightfoot did write another letter. She's getting, she oh, likes writing these letters. She's like uh, Joe Cocker. I, I expect you to have a letter soon from the mayor, Ben. Did you get that Joe Cocker reference? No, I didn't. There was a song called The Letter, and it was sung by Joe Cocker. You there know, you millennials, go. we really <laughs> love that you listen, and we want to keep you as listeners. Hang tight. Don't tune out after that Joe Cocker reference. Oh, my. Oh, my. That? Actually, it was a cover of a song by the bot box tops, but continue. All right, but uh, Lori Lightfoot did write another letter. This one was in response to SEIU Local 73 President Diane Palmer, who encouraged the mayor to, quote, participate directly at the negotiation table with the CTU. In the letter, Lightfoot said, quote, I'm happy to participate directly in negotiations at any time that it would be helpful, but I will not be drawn into a political stunt. I will remind <laughs> you, it was you! Who left the table? <laughs> Not CPS. Yeah. If you really want me at negotiations, then you have to demonstrate first a willingness to negotiate in good faith and that you are willing to reach a resolution based on the merits of your members' needs. Yeah, well, these are all political stunts on both sides. Let's face it, folks. What they do is they selectively... It's, we're in the midst of a very contentious battle. So each side will release letters, documents, whatever they think will advance their cause uh, with the larger public, which remains silent. We don't know which way they're going. According to the Tribune, there's a silent majority in favor of bashing the teachers because they're afraid of teacher bullies, which are shaking down kids all over the city. Hey, give me a quarter, kid. Uh, 
so uh, you know, uh, but this, so that's what they're they're both doing. And you know, when they, whenever they whenever they get an advantage, whenever they think they have an advantage, they'll release a letter, you know, to their favorite reporters. That's kind of how the game is played, D. And uh, so yeah, a lot of political stunts being played uh, by both sides as they try to manipulate the situation to get the be- the most support they can. Uh, for their point of view. And one more time, the point of view of the teachers, more nurses, counselors, and librarians. The point of view of everybody else, harumph! <laughs> I kind of boiled it down to, that, to, to my own worldview of that one, D. But hey, aside from that surly letter, things seem to be looking up, all right? Yeah, I heard that. Some are even calling for school to be back in session on Monday, and the teachers' union reported Thursday night that negotiators made progress toward a resolution. Oh, that's good news. CTU President Jesse Sharkey gave another press conference this morning. Today, he was at Lane Tech High School off of Addison and Western. We've been playing clips of Sharkey all week, and it's become apparent. Now, I know it's Jesse Sharkey and the Teachers Union versus the city of Chicago, but every time he gives one of these press conferences, it seems to be Jesse Sharkey versus the traffic. I, um, right now, um, he's trying. All right, folks, let me just say this. When <laughs> Jesse Sharkey, uh, the head of the, the head of the Chicago Teachers Union, they, they, he likes those uh, sidewalk press conferences outside of schools where the teachers are picketing. So clearly, when Jesse Sharkey's talking to the media who have assembled, there's a bunch of teachers standing around wearing red, correct? Mm-hmm. And uh, what has been happening throughout the city? Apparently, the Tribune editorial board got it wrong. The silent majority is not so silent. Whenever you know when when people driving by see striking teachers they honk their horn it's a sign of support poor dennis hasn't gotten sleep in about a week i know because he lives across the street from a school so every morning at when the teachers assemble at like six in the morning well there was wednesday when i'm like oh i guess the strike's over and let me turn the news on no they were all headed downtown that was the one day i was like ah yeah sleeping (laughs) sleeping in by the way dennis likes to pretend he gets up all all early in the morning you know you know from up and i get up with the the rooster <laughs> Turns out he gets up about eight o'clock in the morning, man. Yeah, like seven thirty. Oh, okay, Mister Mister. Sometimes Early. eight. Oh, okay, up up with up with the farmers. Anyway, so yeah, that's what's going on. Uh, you know, I wonder if uh, when an editorial writer for the Chicago Tribune uh, walks down the street, do the cars go, horns go? Aah! I'm sticking with you, John Cass. Yeah. That's, that sounds like a typical morning for John Cass. <laughs> oh, hello. Thank you. Hey, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for sticking it to those teachers. Oh, you're welcome. But thanks for standing up to those bullies. Oh, no, you don't have to thank me. Anyway, those poor- I, um, <laughs> right now, um, Oh, poor Sharky. All right, but he had some stuff to say here. Let's hear what the man had to say. Shout out to ABC7 Chicago for the audio. We just got a short announcement today, really, which is that we we had some good progress at the bargaining table yesterday. I'm not going to go into details, but I will say that uh, we had conversations that hopefully could give us a path to a settlement. At the same time, though, I do need everyone to know that the result of our union... The public, the parents, and the city of Chicago is undiminished. (laughs) We intend to achieve better schools in the city of Chicago. We intend to ensure that we have enough services to support our students. We have classes that are small enough that we can give effective attention to every student that we teach. 
and we ensure we intend to ensure that the conditions our working conditions which are also student learning conditions we want those conditions to improve that's what we intend to achieve all right i'm with them 100 percent. yeah let's get more resources into the public schools of chicago let's get more nurses and librarians and social workers and counselors i tell you what when this deal is cut if it is cut i hope it's cut please cut the deal all right uh lori lightfoot will suddenly be a hero to many of the people who are denouncing her and she she will be a villain to the chicago tribune's editorial board Harumph! they gave more money to the schools that means that there's less money for the amazons of the world what kind of world is this and we're spending money on schools for poor kids we should be spending money on rich people like the ones that support us so anyway, yeah, she'll be a hero to the people. Lori Lightfoot, if, if she settles this teacher strike by hiring more nurses and social workers, she'll be a hero to many of the people right now, like myself, uh, who are critical of her. And she will be a villain to many of the people, like the writers at the Chicago Tribune, who are holding her, calling on her, begging for her, pleading for her, cut resources to the public schools, because that's the secret of building a better city, a fairer city, a safer city, is to make sure that the poor get even less than they already get, and so that there's more money to give to the wealthy. That's the secret to a, a really fair, safe city. Anyway, uh, uh, Jesse, I mean, those horns will be honking for Lori if she cuts a deal with the teachers. How optimistic are you after last night's negotiations? Can you give people an idea of how I just say we're working on it and that uh, we have an opportunity to get a fair settlement and we're gonna, we're gonna take that seriously uh, and work hard. <laughs> <laughs> Sharky, right focus. now, um, like I said, we, we had progress. We're, I'm not going to say more than that. We're, we're, at, we're at a sensitive juncture right now, um, and I'm optimistic. So I'm going to leave it at that. All right. He's going to leave it at that, okay? I think the questioner was asking what about the poor families uh, that wanted their kids uh, in the public schools. And, uh, yeah, so let's hope the strike comes to an end uh, soon. But, let's, folks, let me just say this. Let's hope there's something meaningful that comes out of the strike like more uh, uh, nurses and librarians, et cetera, so that the kids have a better school to return to. How about that? I know everybody says, oh, it's so important that kids be in school. But my hunch is a lot of people just say that because they view the schools as sort of like daycare centers where you just drop the kids. So you don't have to worry about them uh, from the, what, hours of 9 to 3 or whatever it is. So let's hope that uh, the city of Chicago can find some money. We're not too broke uh, to improve our public schools so that they're even better when the kids return to them. How about that, D? Jesse, what are your thoughts on the Tribune editorial that says the overplayed I mean, the Tribune has been terrible on <laughs> every question around, you know, they, you know, they basically, um, um, taken an anti-CTU position for the last 25 years, and I don't see why they should stop now. Um, it doesn't have much credibility with me what the Tribune says. Uh, I have to correct Jesse Sharkey. 25 years? I'm older than Jesse Sharkey. Uh, my mom was a public school teacher. She went on strike many times. Chicago Tribune never, ever, ever stood with the Chicago teachers and the Chicago Teachers Union when it came to negotiations with the board or the mayor. And this goes back to the 60s. So it's a lot more than 25 years. But Jesse's young, D. 
you know, he's like one of these. What What is the generation above millennial? Romana's in the studio. What's your generation? He's what? Generation X. Yeah, he's a generation, generation Xer. He thinks the world began when he came. He didn't realize there was something called the 60s. <laughs> Actually, Generation Xers are always ignored, so. Oh, now here we go. Romana's going to start weeping for Generation X. There's been a lot of articles about this, so I'm not the only one who thinks All right. Well, uh, anyway, Jesse Sharkey, uh, yeah. It it goes back, Jesse, way beyond 25 years ago. So there you are. That's the latest going on uh, with the Chicago Teachers Union Day 7. And we view that this is a civil rights (laughs) issue. You know, we think that the conditions in our schools... We think that support for our students that need trauma support, social workers, psychologists, counselors. think that adequate services for special education. I agree with everything he said, but it's hard to get a word in edgewise, Jesse, all those horns honking of support. And that's really what it comes down to. This is why the Chicago Tribune's editorial board is so mad. Because when you're an editorial board writer for the Chicago Tribune, you walk down the street, not one car honks its horn in a side of support for you. So anyway, that's why, that's probably why they're so jealous of the teachers, because the cars go, ah, ah, ah when they see the striking teachers. Now, of course, we'll be keeping you posted on uh, any updates as they become available here on the show on the Chicago Teachers Union. But we're going to take a little break and don't go anywhere because coming up after this short little break, Romana Hussein of the Chicago Sun-Times is going to be joining us. It's another Romana Rundown. Don't go anywhere. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show live from the Chicago Sun-Times. It's the butter cow, which has nine hearts to represent the nine essential nutrients in milk. That's right. It's made entirely out of butter. And, you know, it's a state fair tradition since at least 1922. Today's Ben Jarofsky Show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. Get to know your city on one of Chicago Architecture Center's 65 walking tours. Hear the unforgettable secrets and stories behind Chicago architecture from our expert docents. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm actually on a tour right now. Oh, wow. Look at that building. Get a special discount for Illinois residents from July 15th to August 15th. All Illinois residents get 50% off select walking tours. Visit architecture.org slash IL dash resident. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Ramana Hussein in the studio, and uh, she comes every Friday, uh, the Ramana Rundown on the Ben Jarofsky Show. And Ramana, I gave you homework today. Uh, <laughs> poor Ramana, she's not busy enough editing all, all so many stories here at the Chicago Sun-Times. I gave her an assignment, and I had her watch. The story of my life. Uh, the story, story of my life, yeah. getting assignments. Uh, getting assignments. Uh, and But this one in particular, I, I didn't feel bad about uh, sharing with her, because I knew you would have an interest in. And uh, Congresswoman Alexander Ocasio-Cortez questioning Mark Zuckerberg, the head, the founder of Facebook yesterday. Actually, he was appearing before Congress to talk uh, about Libra, their new currency plan that Facebook is trying to cook up as if they don't have enough money already. Uh, They're they're broadening and uh, spreading into a new whole industry. But uh, Ocasio-Cortez took the opportunity to question Zuckerberg about his... Uh, how do I put his passivity in the face of uh, ads, political ads on Facebook that people put up, that campaigns put up that are just blatant lies. And he says Facebook will not make any attempt to police them or force uh, their advertisers to uh, say anything remotely resembling the truth. So, D, do you have that bit ready to go? Uh, let me grab it here. Hang tight with me. All One right. second. Sorry, someone. 
message me on Facebook and you, you heard it there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty uh, apropos though, huh? Yeah, yeah here we go. Facebook it. controls you the world. You announced recently that the official policy of Facebook now allows politicians to pay to spread disinformation. Um, in 2020 elections and in the future. So I just want to know how far I can push this um, in the next year. Under your policy, you know, using census data as well, could I pay to target predominantly black zip codes and advertise them the incorrect election date? No, Congresswoman, you couldn't. We, we have, even for these policies around the newsworthiness of, of mm -hmm. content that politicians say and the general principle that I believe that but you said you're not going to fact check my we, ads. We have, if, if, uh, if anyone, including a politician, is saying things that uh, can cause, that is calling for violence or uh, could risk imminent physical harm or voter or census suppression mm -hmm. when we roll out the census suppression policy, um, we will take that content down. So, so you will, there is some threshold where you will fact check political advertisements. Is that what you're telling me? Well. Congresswoman, yes, and for specific things like that, where there's imminent risk of harm. Could I run ads targeting Republicans in primaries saying that they voted for the Green New Deal? Sorry, I, I, can you repeat that? Would I be able to run advertisements on Facebook targeting Republicans in primaries saying that they voted for the Green New Deal? I mean, if you're not fact-checking political advertisements, I'm just trying to understand the, the bounds here. What's fair game? I, uh, I don't know the answer to that off the top of my head. I think So probably. you don't know if I'll be able to do that. I think probably. Um, do you see a potential problem here with a complete lack of fact-checking on political advertisements? Well, Congresswoman, I think lying is bad, and I think if you were to run an ad that had a lie, that would be bad. That's different from it being, uh, from it, from, for in our position, the right thing to do to prevent uh, your constituents or people in an election from seeing that you had lied. Um, so we can, <laughs> so you won't take down lies or you will take down lies? I think it's just a pretty simple yes or no. Congresswoman, uh, in- I'm not talking about spin. I'm talking about actual in, Yes, in most cases, in a democracy, okay. I believe that people should be able to see for themselves what politicians that they may or may not vote for so are you saying won't take judge them their down. character for themselves. So you won't take, you may flag that it's wrong, but you won't take it down. Congresswoman, it's, uh, it, it depends on the context that it shows up, organic post, ads, okay. the, the treatment is a little One different. question, one more question. All right, that's, uh, there's, it goes on after that, but uh, wow, let me just boil it down. So you won't take down uh, ads that are blatant lies, and his response is basically habita, habita, habita. Yeah, he's just kind of going around in circles. Yes. He's not really answering the question. And he's just, I mean, then he's basically saying, well, unless there's a threat. Right. But then he's saying voter suppression. So he's saying that if you give the wrong date to, a, you know, list of African-American people on Facebook, then yes. But that's questionable because he's like, yes, but no. Yes, but no. No. Yes. Yes. No. And he's and, saying Congresswoman a lot. So. Yeah, he says Congresswoman. And, and, and to that point, it's not as though they'll be having people policing it, looking for it. So it would require uh, somebody notifying Facebook getting through to Facebook 
to let them know, hey, they're saying the election. You yeah. know, I used to do this as a joke, Romana. I used to say, oh, uh, everybody, the election is November 3rd, Tuesday, November 3rd. Is that a Republican? No, I would just say this. Oh, okay. It was like a bad joke. Like I've done this at the hideout with Mick, you know. Like, yeah, except for Republicans. It's actually Wednesday this year. Okay. Was, so you're spreading false information yeah, like, at the hideout. I, yes. <laughs> if there were Republicans in the room, they could, hey, don't do that. <laughs> Um, so it's interesting. I, yeah. Cause you know, my brother has been blocked. Well, he had content blocked on Facebook before, but this was t- totally something wrong that he did. So I, I mean, I can tell you okay. it's, 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 I shouldn't laugh at this, but so you're Jewish, right? I'm Muslim. Um, Muslim and Jewish boys tend to get circumcised when they're babies and in, you know, cult- countries like India, they do it at a later age. Mm-hmm. Um, and my brother probably got circumcised at the hospital once he was born and it should be done with anesthesia. And so when we're in India, this is like 2008, my whole family went, my dad's from a village. So we had some relatives circumcised one of my nephews, my cousin's kid, mm-hmm. and they wanted it videotaped. My brother's like, why would I videotape it? <laughs> <laughs> this is, I'm trying not to laugh at this. Anecdote. I know, I, I know. know where you're going with it, but go but on. But anyway, my brother, of course, is like, you know, he's smirking, but he's like, you know, this, and you know, it was done very, you know, there was no anesthesia. So this kid, poor kid's crying and my brother videotapes it. And my brother's like, so then he's like, oh, look at this. And he puts it on Facebook. And, you know, I'm sure one of my friends <laughs> reported him. And then he was, he, they took it down and because so of content. T- Facebook took Facebook it down. Facebook took it down. Was he, and was your brother banned? There was nothing, there was nothing, I don't think he showed anything. Like it wasn't like f- close up, but it was like from far away. And it wasn't like showing the actual, maybe just showing like the screams. Okay. But, you know, I'm just saying that one of, I, I'm sure it was one of my friends who reported my brother and then, he, you know, they took it down. Well, let me ask so you. So I'm just th- saying they took that content down, but they won't take all this misinformation down. So I'm just saying that it, 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 mm-hmm. it happens, but, you know, somebody had to report him. And I'm sure it was someone that we knew that thought it was inappropriate. And, you know, my brother thought it was funny. He's like, hey, you know, my cousins made me <laughs> videotape his kid getting his, getting circumcised yeah, no. in India in the village without anesthesia. And this random guy came to do it. And so I'm just saying that he, I'm just saying that I do know, I mean, it was my own brother who mm-hmm. had content taken down. So, because of the offensiveness, because someone was offended by it. But, you know, you have politicians who are spreading misinformation. Yeah. Because every once in a while, you'll see something from maybe, a, you know, like I've seen so many memes. I guess that's what it's pronounced. I used to pronounce it Mimi. <laughs> and then, you know, yeah, a, younger, a younger millennial, a, a millennial told me how to, my, my niece <laughs> told me how to pronounce uh, it wrong. It's memes? I know it's memes. But anyway, like once in a while, I'll have friends that have um, interesting political views from when I went to high school with. And it's just like, you look at these memes and they have wrong information and they're people I don't know that well. So it's like, I'm not going to say anything, but it's like, you're allowed to spread that kind of content or you'll see things that are very hateful that people post. And you're like, that's allowed. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, my brother had content taken down, but then you see all this other stuff that can be seen as offensive to other people and it's not taken down. So in, I guess you have to report people. In your opinion, what's more offensive, a blatant lie about a, poli- a politician's record or uh, a video of a poor kid getting circumcised? Um, I, it wasn't like, if you saw the video, it wasn't the kid getting circumcised. It was just like the room full of people just watching because it's like a celebration. It's a ceremony, but not for the kid. No, getting, I think, yeah, it's not a not, celebration not for, for the poor kid. Exactly. It's sheer but, they, torture. but in India, like culturally, like uh-huh. after the circumcision, the kid gets all this money and like, 
you know, candy. So boys are actually looking forward to it, but they don't know what it entails. How the thing old is are like, they? Well, it- usually it's a, you know, you should do it when they're young with anesthesia, but like in countries that, you know, like in the port in the village, there's no hospital there. So some barber came by <laughs> with those tools. I remember we're just like, oh, it was in the village. You, were you so there? This, yeah, I was there. And it, he was maybe like six or seven, which I think is older. And so <laughs> I just Poor remember kid. I wasn't there, but I just remember the scream. I remember I heard screams and yeah. then I look and then I'm like, oh no, it's probably him crying. But yeah. then it was my nephew who, who like ran into a wire and his neck was all bleeding. So it was him crying. So it was just all this chaos. But anyways, mm. if you saw the video, I think most people, I know why it's considered offensive. It wasn't showing anything mm. really, but it was this kid obviously in pain. But I, w- I think I would rather have that than the misinformation. I would Absolutely. I don't, I'd rather have neither, but I'm just saying yeah. if I had to pick one. Well, I know that way back when, I may have said this on the show before, uh, way back when, when the reader uh, first started encouraging people uh, to write responses to articles, this is, I can't remember, so long ago. Oh, to comments? Yeah, comments. That's oh, what I meant. Okay. Yeah, re- re- to com- you have to yeah. respond to comments? Well, no. Uh, well, sometimes they would want us. This is a long time ago. It, it, the reader evolved. Because it, most of them are pretty racist. Yeah. Yeah, well, okay. So when we go back to the early days of the reader, they were very proud of their exchanges on the letters page. And so somebody would write a letter. You get a literal letter. And I know this is ancient history. Uh, And then they would pass the letter on to the writer, and they would encourage the writer to write a response. And for a while, they tried to keep that up when it became electronic responses to articles that were posted on the internet. But after a while, it becomes overwhelming, and you can't keep, you can't respond. But then the reader's attitude this is many owners ago, many editors ago, was that uh, they were not going to police or respond to uh, um, any comments because if they did that, then they were sort of suggesting that they had the, the wherewithal to, to curb freedom of speech. Curb. No, yeah, to actually curb. curb. And what so people th- were thinking. Were, no, no. Oh. They would have, they did not want people to think that they had an editor or uh, an employee assigned to going through and reviewing all the comments because really? then they could be held accountable for com- So they just said, they're at it. I think this is where just Facebook is going. Hands off, whatever goes, whatever goes. And I had an ju- objection to that on many levels because some of the stuff that was out there was just absolutely vile and um, threatening and all kinds of things. So they've evolved from that position. Yeah, I think we, so we got rid of our comment section a few years ago. And uh, I think now we have comments on face on Facebook when you post a story when on the Sun-Times page. And I think there is someone policing, like, for example, there's certain things that are not acceptable. Like they have let people say things, you know, I guess even if it's vile, considered vile by some people. But for example, like what if someone's using the N word? You, you, I think, you know, you do have a right to like, you know, say something or get rid of that comment. I think that would be, an, you know, resp- I, so that we do have someone who checks them just to make sure they're not, you know, crossing that line. And no, I don't think it's a freedom of speech thing. I think it's, you know, someone's, you know, saying things that are, you know, using racial slurs, I think. I think there is someone to police. I think we have a pretty big leeway about what people can can or can't say. And I'm sure you get emails all the time. I don't know. Your your readership might be a little different, but we get a lot of people saying things. I mean, we get callers saying things. I get callers saying things to me not knowing who I am about, you know, Muslim people and, you know, it's not like I'm going to 
I don't have time to like engage how do, them. How do they, do they specifically ask for you? No, no, no. They're just telling me how like Donald Trump is like wonderful and, you know, immigrants are this or like, you know, I'm a child of immigrants or like, you know, certain religious groups are like that, you know, and so they probably just don't assume that there's a Muslim person on the other line actually yeah. answering the phones. And I'm, I've had friends, um, I remember a friend from the Tribune who's African-American had the same thing happen to him. Like this guy calls and just starts ripping on black people not knowing that he's talking to a black man yeah so you know and you know when i write about anything about my identity i always get people telling me about my religion you know well no your religion actually says this and you know so it's like sometimes i'm a gate i know i shouldn't engage with people like that but sometimes i do because just they're just so wrong and i'm like well actually and then sometimes i just give up I'm, or i just ignore most of the time it's better to ignore. Yeah. I mean, they get, they're getting their two cents in for what it's worth. Uh, but, uh, I, I, my sense of it, uh, with Mark Zuckerberg and his, you know, his hair, I don't know if you knew, I, I didn't even, I read about AOC, but everybody was commenting on Twitter about his haircut. Oh, <laughs> sure wait, see. whose haircut? AOC's or no, Zuckerberg's? Zuckerberg's. No, yeah, I, I know. Cause it was like a Caesar cut. Yes. I, is that what it's called? A Caesar cut? It's like a Caesar cut kind of. George Clooney kind of had that hairstyle in ER, but it looked a lot better on him. Yeah. Uh, so. it, it was a bizarre looking haircut. Now, I, I, I don't want to trivialize Mark Zuckerberg or reduce him. Yeah, I know, to a haircut. Uh, to a haircut. But I'm just saying there was a lot of chatter and I'm, can, I can be superficial sometimes. Yeah, but having haircut. said that, it was a bad haircut and the guy's a gazillionaire. Like he can afford a better barber. Uh, yeah, just throwing and I that think, out I there. Think, I think he's a lot smarter, you know, him kind of like curbing the questions. It's like, you know, this stuff. I, I, and you know, it's just, you know, some people say that they want to get off Facebook because they're, you know, all this information that's coming out about Facebook and these ads that had wrong information, but I don't know, you and I are still on it. And it's, I remember when I Facebook first came out, my mm -hmm. younger sister was in grad school and she found out about it and she's like, there's this thing called Facebook. And I didn't even want to be on Facebook because 10 years ago, I thought I was too old. And she's, she just started a profile for me. And then there was a point where you had to be like a college student. Yeah. She was, a, she was in grad yeah. school. Yeah, okay. So that's how she knew about it. But then they opened it up and I was like, no, 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 I don't want a profile because I'm too old. And she made a profile for me. So that's how I got on Facebook. And then, you know, all these older people than me. And then it's really, you know, I don't know if you know this, but it's not really cool to be on Facebook anymore. Well, I, I assumed as soon as I got on it, that ended <laughs> that. It, yeah, you know? no, because I, the only reason I'm right. saying that is because I have a niece who's yeah. my 25 year old niece really wanted to be on Facebook when yeah. it first came out. And she like, I really want to be on it. And I used to monitor it because when she was 14, once she got into high school, she could have an account. My nephew, he's in college right now. He's 18. He's a freshman. He has no, well, no does not care. He's I, on Instagram, but I, that's owned by that's Facebook. That's owned by Facebook. Listen, I got I'm pro, I have big problems with Facebook. I think it's gangsterism. I think what Facebook has done, I, I guess I have to tip my hat in a perverse way uh, to Zuckerberg and his and his crew, uh, is just they control uh, the flow of media to a, a large extent. Uh, every newspaper, myself included, every columnist, mm -hmm. uh, it feels compelled to post his or yes, her content on Facebook. We give our stuff away to Facebook, and uh, and then Facebook polices who gets to see it. They control uh, through their quote unquote algorithms uh, how how wide a distribution they give. And uh, so we're at the mercy of Facebook and they sell the ads off of it. So if that isn't an antitrust situation, I don't know what yeah, is. Yeah, I admit I'm still on it. I, I, I use it mostly to keep in touch with people. But what I, I, I urge everybody is if you see something on Facebook, 
that is not a link to a reputable news organization. You should be very wary of it. Now, when I say reputable news organization, uh, I, pr- I presume that you're the uh, you're an editor of the Chicago Sun Times. Yeah, you're you're not going to let somebody just make something up about somebody else, mm-hmm. right? There's some kind of standard. Well, that's the thing. There's so many news organizations now too. Like Fox is that a reputable source? You know, I mean, maybe you and I not don't think so, but for some people, that's they think it has a. You know, that's I'm a, just saying. You raise a good point because there, there's yeah. so many different things that people think. Like so a lot of people don't like the New York Times. A lot of people on the way left, they're just like, oh. We don't like the New York Times. Or the way right. More the right than the left. But there's a lot of things that people criticize. I mean, criticizing mainstream media or media that we think is, has a reputation. That's one thing, but to have wrong information and, you know, we don't always, we all always like in terms of, we make mistakes in terms of, but that's completely different than putting out. Knowingly putting out, listen, when the, when when the Tribune or the Sun-Times or the New York Times uh, makes a mistake, I know this. We put out corrections. Corrections. Boom. And, uh, you know, there's an attempt, uh, at least, uh, to, uh, you know, to show that you're playing by rules. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when when AOC directly asks Mark Zuckerberg, uh, would it be acceptable to Facebook for a Republican to post an ad saying another Republican supports the Green New Deal. Yeah. And he remembered that he didn't, I don't know if he knew what the Green New Deal yeah. was. He was like, how about, how about what? Could you repeat <laughs> he, the question? He knows what it is, yeah. I think. But uh, so it, was he just buying time when he said that? I think so. Okay. I think he was just trying to sound out to smart and you know figure out how to say it, hedging you know his answer. But I thought she was really good. I thought the way her question, and everybody was like raving about that too. How about, I thought you did a pretty good job. I'm a, listen. Uh, I know you're a fan. I'm a huge I'm fan. And uh, a, a mutual friend of ours, Samina Mustafa, comes on the show all the time. I always call her the AOC of Chicago. Or I go, oh, that's, in, probably, that's a compliment yeah, for In her, New I'm York, sure. they call uh, AOC the Samina Mustafa of New York. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, a big fan of hers. And I know she's been completely and totally and utterly vilified by the right. Uh, but when I heard her voice and I, that just the direct way, Romano, that she just went after Mark Zuckerberg and not taking his BS. There's a certain amount of courage and fearlessness there that I respected. I thought I thought it was. I, I thought she did a good job. All if right. I say so myself. Um, all right, let's move on to uh, local stuff. Uh, Eddie Johnson, the police chief of the city of Chicago, mm-hmm. and the Fraternal Order of Police. You know a little bit about this. You edited the story. Yeah. Um, so the Fraternal Order of Police a couple of days ago they had a no confidence vote. Um, regarding um, this police superintendent, Eddie Johnson. And it was, they mostly cited the no confidence vote because of the fact that he is not going to come to Donald Trump's um, speech before the International Association of Chiefs of Police. I guess it's an annual convention. And this is the first time that Donald Trump, well, this is the only time Donald Trump is coming to Chicago since he was elected president. We know he came when he was a nominee and that didn't work out well. So I, I, I'm, I'm just curious what's wow, going to happen. Wow, he's not been. I'm trying to think this. Yeah, world. we he's had not been here at all as president. Even no, we we run. actually were talking about this on the um, city desk, um, and Scott Fornick and some other political reporters were talking about it. He's been downstate. Yes, 
But By the way, Scott Fornick, a uh, political editor he's our here. political the editor, Guy yes. knows everything about everything. Yeah, so I was actually just, like, um, reading a really quick story before, just, mm-hmm. like, about the conference itself. And so Eddie Johnson said, you know, this goes, you know, I, he just basically said that the values of the people of Chicago are more important than anything that will be said at the speech. And he kind of just said that, he's kind of hinted that he doesn't really, or I don't even know hinted, but doesn't re- agree with a lot of what the president has to say. And the FOP was offended by that, but it's kind of interesting. So, you know, we know that Eddie Johnson was found slumped over his car in Bridgeport a few days ago. So um, the day that this story about the no confidence vote, I was editing it and Fran Spielman happened to be in the office sitting next to me typing her story on Lori Lightfoot's budget. And she heard me talking to the reporter, Sam Charles, who wrote the story about the no confidence vote. And then she's like, oh, I have some stuff about this um, that I could add to the story. And then she goes, OK, so they're talking about him being slumped. And she thought that the no confidence vote came because he was slumped over. And I go, no, it wasn't because of that. It was because he doesn't want uh, Eddie Johnson doesn't want to be at Donald Trump's speech. And she's like, oh, then forget it. This has nothing to do. So she, she thought it was because yeah. she thought it was because he was slumped over. It's just it's interesting. I I, I think Kevin Graham was on Fox News, the head of the Fraternal Order yes. Police. Um, and he was saying something like they think it's disrespectful for um, someone not to show up for the president. You know, they're like, oh, if he doesn't show up, that's really disrespectful. But, hmm. you know, they're saying and, you know, Donald Trump, uh, of course, everybody knows has ripped on Chicago. And, you know, I think. Hey, there's people who didn't show up for at Barack Obama's, you know, anything Barack Obama had. There was people who boycotted him. Dan like, Hampton, who yeah, used to play for the ath- Chicago Bears, athletes, would not go to the yeah, White House. Yeah. There were certain people, I think the Cubs, I think there were some certain Cubs players who didn't show up. Is that right? Um, I think for, for uh, Barack Obama? Yeah, I think John Lester, if I'm not mistaken, and um, I think Jake Arrieta. I mean, they could have good excuses, but they wow. were. There and there were some. Uh, I think there's some. There are some athletes that boycotted so, uh, Barack so Obama. Just so clear, this is showing us the difference between us and some political ad that'd be on uh, Facebook. Yeah. We don't know for certain uh, which Cubs it was, and we don't know if it was because <laughs> they wanted to spend time with their family. Yeah, it could have uh, been. It could have been. been. But I'm just saying, it was noted by yeah, a lot of people that and, they were not there, and, and they might have said some certain. Do you remember the one? It. I just uh, uh, the Sun Times uh, had a picture of it. It's when the Cubs. In their effort to be bipartisan, first the Cubs, when they won, they won the World Series in, uh, in November of 2016, just before the presidential election. Romana was so happy she went over to Rush Street and turned over cars. Uh, just kidding, she didn't really do that. Uh, and but she's a huge Cub fan, and uh, and so Barack Obama was still in the White House, but of course Donald Trump was the president-elect. But Barack wanted to have the Cubs in the White House before he left because he's a Chicago guy and his wife's yeah. from Chicago. So they sh- they showed up and they're and then because the Ricketts are such so yeah. broke, they well, well we got to show that we're not. So they showed up in the Trump White House with the Cubs. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they showed and it was in the bright one. And sometimes um, there was one of the Cubs had his hand on the desk of the president, and his hand was like this in such a way. Oh, Look really? At my hand, yeah. So like the middle finger was extended, 
and the the Sun Times ran a photo of it. I think Clint Sweet <laughs> wrote about the, it. Now, now, who was the Cubs player? I'm curious. I want to say now. Here, I can get in trouble by giving know, the wrong I player. I might have given the wrong information. I um I I can't remember. I I think I know who it was, but I don't want to give out the wrong. Okay, well, I'm you very tell me later. Conscious of this because of uh of the Zuckerberg thing, you don't want to give out the wrong. Yeah, information. Yeah, sorry if I gave the wrong information now, but, but I'm I pretty think sure. it was one of the outfielders. Anyway, and then he said, "No, that was just a." A coincidence. He wasn't giving the president oh, I, the I finger. I think I remember. Yeah. Maybe he was scratching his face or something. I just think it's interesting because as a woman and as a person of color, like you think Donald Trump has a lot of supporters in that camp. I mean, there's definitely people of color in his cabinet, but it's very few. I could tell you right in this, right now, I do not know any Chicago Cubs. I've not talked to any Chicago Cubs. So I can't say this with any degree of certainty. I'm just reading body language. They looked a lot happier, the Cubs, when they were in the Obama White House than they were when they were in the trump white house and john uh, and joe madden who's you know gets along with everybody was like hey i love all presidents <laughs> <laughs> have you been working on your joe madden impression so he doesn't care but I don't know, I, man. Man didn't want to upset anybody. That's mad. No, I get along with everyone. So, uh, you know, <laughs> but uh, no. So, yeah, the Fraternal Order of Police, of all, of all the hills to take your stand, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like, so that's why Friends Spielman, wait, she's like, that's the reason? And she's like, oh, and then forget it. I'm not going to feed But you know what? So. Uh, I had the same instinct Fran had when I read the article in the paper. I saw you the thought headline. It was because I thought, oh, it's because they have no confidence because they found him slumped over. Because <laughs> Donald Trump. Yeah, that's what that's what. So Fran was thinking that because she was like working on her analysis on the budget address, and she's heard me like editing the story, and she goes, "Oh, I have some stuff to add," and I'm like, "No, it's not because of that. It's because." But I, I don't know. I, I just I wonder if people are gonna counter protest is do you think there's going to yeah, be yeah there'd be a oh yeah there's like, do you think be, there'll be people planted in inside and i don't know i think it'd be interesting i think it'll be interesting when be a, it comes. there's a big protest tomorrow for uh his appearance here i listen not that the fraternal order police would take any advice from me uh lord knows unions generally don't take any advice from me politicians don't take any advice from me but the fraternal order police you operate in a city that voted 85 percent. i want to say against donald trump so I know that a lot of your hardcore board members love Donald Trump, but like, if you want to win over the public, I'll, I'm, I'll be with the, the cops, uh, Ramada, it's just, just me, for their pension. I'm with them 100% on their pension. I don't believe the state should cut police, fire pensions, et cetera, and so forth. But if you want to kind of move beyond Ben, who <laughs> you, maybe it's not a good idea to take a stand against Eddie Johnson on this of all issues. Yes. So um, I, I think, I, I, yeah, it's, it was pretty interesting. All right. Uh, before we uh, let you go and bring on our next guest, Jeffrey Howard, I want to ask you uh, uh, Romana's recommendation. Uh, I, I want to say this before you give your I know what your recommendation is, so I, we can talk about okay, that. Okay, but I followed your recommendation. Last week, Romana said the Paul Rudd TV show. I didn't even see it yet. Yeah, I, I obsessively watched it. And here's my review, Romana. I can't believe, A, how bad it is, and B, how much I liked it. <laughs> it was bad. It was, like, cheesy. It like, is I cheesy. Heard it got, I heard it got mixed reviews, but everybody likes Paul Rudd. So I said, oh, maybe maybe it'll be funny. Maybe I'll watch it. It all depends on... I can probably... I can burn through a show, but I have to ask Mick, my husband, Mick Dumkey, first to see if he wants to watch it. Because if I watch it with him, it'll take us three months. Oh, he'll, he won't want to watch He'll He'll think it's so stupid. And <laughs> I know Mick, and he's not going to want to... Why? Because uh, there's no politician in it? No. Or look mobster? It, 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 yeah, neither one. And I, I can't believe how much I liked it. I like burned. Oh, this is hilarious. Paul Rudd, he's so funny. 
and my wife was good natured. She watched it, uh, but uh, yeah. So I, I took your advice. So what do you? What's your recommendation? I know I, I do want to see the one that you're going to recommend because I, I all the recommendations I've made in the last few days I've not seen. I still haven't seen um, the the Korean. It's a Korean movie, right? Or it's a Japanese Korean movie? Yeah, it was Korean. Yeah, that's what I, I still have to see. Parasite. So and I do want to see the Pedro Olmo. The, Almodovar movie, which I have not seen, oh. but I know that you want to see I Am Dolomite. Is that is it I Am Dolomite or Dolomite? Yeah, Dolomite. Uh, I think it's I Am Dolomite, but yeah. it's like on hitting Netflix today. I do yeah. want to see it. Um, Eddie Murphy is kind of like hit or miss for me. I, I remember watching, um, what was the stand-up show he had in Delirious, the Delirious, Raw? Delirious and Raw. And I, you know, I remember thinking it was funny, but now I look back and I, I don't think I thought it was as funny as I think guys did. I, I, yeah, that's so. You know what I mean? I, I felt like I was forcing myself to think that he was really funny. <laughs> so I mean, some of the things I remember feeling comfortable with, and then now I think that's really outdated when he listens to it. But I do think he's pretty funny. But some of the stuff that he's done is funny. Some of it's okay. I know well, he was in Shrek because I took my niece to see my oldest niece, who's now twenty five. But I remember he was a, he was a little donkey, right? In yeah. that. So, he, but I heard he's really good in this, and it sounds good. It's about this. Uh, um, I think it was he a real life guy. Yes. Black exploitation. Oh Are you kidding? Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. Sorry. I was. You're, you weren't even born yet. Trust no, me. No, it was the seventies, right? Yeah, I was, but I was. I was Dolomite. alive, but I was a little kid. So some of the world's worst movies. Uh, I got to tell you, and I'm a fan of them. I can't believe I liked them back in the day. When I look at the, the black exploitation oh, movies, like that Paul Rudd thing. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think uh, the Paul Rudd thing is of higher quality than let's say Shaft. Or, uh, yeah, which, I never saw any blacks. Oh my god, I, I lived on them. But I'll tell you this: Dolomite looks hilarious. Uh, where my whole bowling team is gathering, uh, a friend's house. He's got a big TV and a great. Well, you're sound hanging system. out with all your old friends, this yeah, week, right? And then going that, to the Northwestern game. Yeah, I'm oh, gonna, okay. I'm, oh, all my old friends are coming into town for the Northwestern game, and then next week we're going to watch Dolomite. But folks, I got to tell it's you, it's hitting Netflix today. By the way, it's hitting. But it was only in a couple theaters on the South Side, I think. One, yeah, one theater in Chicago, one theater in Lansing, but. But um, go see Parasite. I cannot recommend. No, Parasite I want to see enough. it. And I told you, I love foreign films. If I don't care, like you know, as long as they're good, I don't care. Oh, I, reading one. subtitles don't bother Doesn't me. Bother. Yeah, I it's know got for a lot subtitles. of people. Yeah, I know for a lot of people, that's a lot of work. But all right, that's Ramana Hussein. Uh, she comes in here every Friday in the Ben Jarofsky Show. Ramana Hussein, uh, Hussein excuse me, uh, the Chicago Sun Times editor. Thanks so much, Ramana. We got Jeffrey Thanks. Howard on deck. We're going to bring him on when we return. Hey, everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J E F F. 
M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U, E, L, P, I, A, N, I, S, T, dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. All right, everybody, hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Friday, October 25th is moments away. But before we get into that, we need to thank the following unions for jumping on board and sponsoring this program. First up, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers not Aerosmith, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and of course, today's show is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two, let's go. It is Friday, October 25th. And live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, we welcome Jeffrey Howard of SEIU Local 73, and it's the long-awaited return of host of the Doris Davenport Show, the one, the only, Doris Davenport. And now your host, Paul Rudd's biggest fan. <laughs> loves the guy. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Uh, what can I say, man? I'm almost embarrassed to say how much I like that show. I watched three episodes of it. In fact, when you texted me last night, D, or you called me yeah. to talk about, well, I can't remember what you, but I was watching it, so I didn't take your call. I was like, hey, man, I'm watching Paul Rudd, okay? I watched all... The whole thing. I've seen the whole thing. Nice won't... to know where your priorities lie. Yeah, well, you got to watch the show. Jeffrey Howard is in the studio. You're going to bring him up. You got an update for me, D? Uh, yeah, I do here. Uh, as we all know, uh, the Chicago teacher strike is still happening. Uh, we're in day seven, or if you want to be dramatic about it, day nine. Mm -hmm. right. If you count the weekends. If you count the weekends, all day right. nine. Now, no right. kid goes to school on the weekend, but they're counting it anyway. <laughs> you know, just to make it even more Day nine of the Chicago teachers. Now, you mentioned this, Ben, before the show started, mm -hmm. how uh, a lot of people are saying uh, these, these teachers on striker having too much fun oh my goodness yeah this is one of my pet peeves uh listen i uh we had very contentious negotiations years ago at the um uh at the reader we were dealing with far smaller stakes than the chicago teachers union uh really i nobody except for reader writers and their loved ones really cared about our predicament and we never went to strike but we talked about it and i gotta tell you one of the hardest things you could do is to go on strike. It's a very scary thing to do. It's not something that people do lightly. And when I read the, I've read this in so many different columns and editorials, and they're like, they're stern, they're upset. They're mad at teachers because it's like their teachers are having too much fun on the picket lines. You know what I'm saying? They're dancing. Oh, my God. Elizabeth Warren visited them. How dare they cheer Elizabeth Warren? They just want to be basking in the glow. They want to be they want to stand up to learn. They always trivialize and marginalize the issues that people have like put their lives on hold for. And as a guy who almost had to make that decision, we were part of a group. Should we go on strike? It was a very scary thing, you know, because you don't know 
you know what the public's going to respond. You don't know if the boss is going to turn harder. They don't know if they're going to like fire you or uh, punish you. Or uh, we we had one little uh, action D for the reader. God bless. Um, we we uh, had a little action outside the Sun Times. We were owned by the Sun Times, and this is three or four years ago. You know, it was raining. We show up. It's it's a big thing. We had signs. We're all wet. You know, nobody showed up except for a few people showed up. I mean, it was scary. It was a, you put your neck out there, you know? And uh, so, listen, I understand not everybody's going to agree with me. I believe that the teachers are right to try to force uh, the city of Chicago to hire more nurses, librarians, social. I know people have different views on it. They, so there's some people out there who don't think we should hire more nurses, social workers. There's some people out there who feel we should close more schools, not expand public schools. There's some people out there who don't want their, pro- their property taxes to go up the, uh, to pay for people, for employees in poor schools. I, I understand that people have different opinions, but let's not marginalize what the teachers have done here by trivializing by oh they just want to go out and have a party man they're gonna rock on you know i mean you go out you go on strike you want to do something to fire yourself up it's a collective action and you know but there were i've seen uh videos of teachers dancing and singing i was gonna say i got i got a chain of tweets here uh with a lot of teachers here we got some singing Okay. Uh, we got a, a group of teachers here uh, singing a rewrite of Chance the Rapper. Ben, you love this song. <laughs> Problems? You know that one, oh, right? Oh, yeah, it's my favorite. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Well, let's play a little bit of that. Here are teachers uh, singing Problems from Chance the Rapper. If one more mayor tries to stop me, it's going to be a sea of red waiting in your lobby. You don't want no problems, you want no problems with CTU. You don't want no problems, want no problems with SEIU. Yeah, no, it's like it's like all these uh, columnists. Awesome. They're like the sternest teachers I've ever had. Uh, it's like they wanted to be. It's like study hall. Don't say any. Remember study hall? I had to go to study hall a few times. Jeffrey Howard's not as well. Jeffrey Howard's an outstanding scholar. He never had to go to study hall. Yeah, okay. Study hall was after school. They made you go because you were a goofball. Been Don't, there a few times. You've been there. Don't talk. Sometimes some study halls they wouldn't even let you open your book. Don't open your book. It's study hall. Anyway, they wanted to be like study hall. Uh, don't say anything. Don't have fun. Don't fire yourself up. Just sit there and look grim and depressed as everybody crushes you like an ant. So that was a song uh, for our hip-hop fans out there. Uh, okay. Now we got an acoustic song. Oh. Yeah. A little well, how about acoustic. some 70s songs on the lines, teachers? Come on, teachers, man. <laughs> he loves the 70s, everybody. <laughs> All right, let's see. This is an instant classic strike cover song from striking teachers in Chicago. Uh, let's see here. Let's hear this uh, tune. You singing in the background? <laughs> no, but the guitar player's not bad. Do you know that song? 
Carly Rae Jepsen or something? Like I have no idea what that song. Did they sing uh, Don't Ever Be Lonely by uh, the Cornelius Brothers and Sister Rose? That song I was singing earlier today? No? No. No, no one ever singing uh, Don't Ever These Be Lonely. These are kids, oh, by the way. Yeah. Oh, those are kids singing. All right. Uh, Jeffrey Howard is uh, in the studio. He is the executive vice president of SEIU Local 73. They are one of, of course, on strike. So they're uh, support staffers uh, to uh, in the Chicago Public Schools. Uh, first of all, your first visit here. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, and uh, so I didn't mean to demean your scholarship. Uh, I never could imagine you, uh, young Jeffrey, uh, in a study hall, uh, forced uh, to, to attend after school class. So I didn't mean to even yeah. suggest that. Well, I'm glad you couldn't imagine it. Yeah. It happened a few times? Just a few. All right. Why don't we start by telling uh, people exactly who you represent, the support staff in the Chicago Public Schools. Who are, who are these employees uh, and what roles do they play? So... At CPS, we represent bus aides. Those are the predominantly women, predominantly women of color who assist the special needs children to get on the bus from their homes to making sure they get to the school. Then we represent the board custodians who, you know, clean the schools, make sure the schools are clean and safe for the children to uh, attend. Then we also represent security officers, you know, who make sure the school's safe, kids are in line, doing what they need to do. And then we represent... Uh, what we call SICAs, that's an acronym for Special Education Classroom Assistance. And they take care of autistic children, children in wheelchairs, you know, the most vulnerable, children who can't take themselves to the bathroom. They assist the special education teacher in the classroom. More, more times than not, it's one-on-one, could be one-on-three, um, but that's essentially what our SICAs do. And they play a very important role in the schools, making sure that... Uh, these children who are the most vulnerable have the same opportunity to a quality education as other kids do. And what are the the compelling issues uh, that have driven your uh, members to go on strike? I think overarchingly for our members, it is pay. Mm -hmm. It is poverty wages. If you look at what uh, Cook County determines as a poverty wage, it's around $50,000 a year. Um, If you want to look at what they consider as low, like the bottom of the poverty scale, it's $36,000. About 70% of our members make less than that. The average uh, bus aide makes about 16 grand a year. Um, our average security officer makes about $35,000 a year. And average SICA makes about $37,000 a year. All these below the poverty line. And so one of the things that we're trying to do is in that we are staunch on is that these jobs be raised out of poverty and it can be done it, we feel that it can be done and it should be done. It's sort of, I, I don't know what the word is, insulting, but it's kind of bad that people that go to work every day have to work two and three jobs um, just to be able to survive. And then we want them to be the ones who are taking care of our most vulnerable children. And they do the admirable job of taking care of them. They have personal relationships with these children. And in addition to families of their own. And so um, all we're really asking for is, you know, take care of, those that take care of our most vulnerable. The general response that I, I get when I raise this subject with people who are not supportive of teachers or teachers' aides or any unionized person who goes on strike is that, well, they only work, they don't work a full day and they don't work summers. So, uh, you know, they got to they go get a second job. What's your response <laughs> to that? <clears throat> so I'll just, let's take the day of a bus aid. And, and I was thinking about this the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, 
as you know, we've worked long days, 16-hour days since we've been doing this in the park district and working with CTU. And I woke up at like 5 o'clock, and I was like, geez, this is like the ninth or 10th day that I woke up at 5 a.m. And then I had to really like rewind the tape and say, you know, Jeff, this is what a bus aide has to do every day. So typically their day starts 4 a.m. They have to get up, get to their bus barn by 5.15, clock in, even though they don't get paid. So they have to be there at 5.15. So they're there from 5.15 till whenever the children come. That could be 6.30 till the last kid gets on the bus. They then work two or three hours till the kids are off the bus. They're then let off the bus. They got to find their way back to the bus barn. And then they do it all over again in the afternoon. So they could work a 15-hour day. Uh, that's an exaggeration. They could work a 12-hour day, 10 to 12-hour day, and get paid for four to six hours of it. So, like, it's insulting. Like, people are marginalized. And one of the things that we at SEIU Local 73, and I think the labor movement as a whole is starting to look at, is that there's a whole list of workers, predominantly women of color, who work in these jobs, be it a CNA, um, a paraprofessional at a school, a bus aide, um, a janitor in a school, security officer, whomever, who are not paid a real living wage. And we're trying to move. That's what the whole fight for 15 is. We need to move away from these jobs being marginalized, underpaid. It's like chronic. It is, it's for a country as rich as America that we can find money to build a, a Lincoln Yards and we can and we can approve that in seven days. We can find a half a, a billion and a half dollars to approve a project like that to build new townhouses and all this for the wealthy. But we're arguing about pennies for workers who have to live in the city, pay taxes in the city. Every dime they spend is probably spent in this city. And it's like a fight, like a real fight. People had to walk off their jobs. I think you said it earlier in the show that it's a serious thing. Um, to walk off your job to say, what you're doing to me is enough for me to say, I'm willing not to get paid to make you understand how serious this situation is for me as a worker. Mm -hmm. So these aren't people with savings accounts. I mean, they probably do have some savings, but it's hard to save money when you're making 16 grand a year. Mm -hmm. I, I know it's a struggle for me and I make a lot more than $16,000 a year to pay rent, taxes, food, everything they charge you for seven cents to get a bag in Chicago. And then we tell workers, you shouldn't accept more, but we want you to take care of our most vulnerable children. It just sort of seems problematic to me and an easy fix. And that's what we're asking our mayor to do. This is, should be an easy fix. Now, at the, at the bargaining table, what is the response have been, has been from the other side? Do they basically say, we, we can't afford this? Well, it's all, yes, to some degree, but it's like, but it's not just about the wages, too. It's about how seekers are used. Like, can we get a prep hour? so that I can prepare, I can look at my child's IEP and try to figure out how I can make sure that um, I'm giving them the best opportunity um, to learn and to be prosperous in the school. It's about not pulling me off to have guard duty at the lunchroom or man the security desk because we're short and then my child is left behind or another seeker has to now watch three children. There's a lot of small things that we're trying to get as well. but. The other side, I think they see everything as dollars and cents. And, and I don't want to speak for what their intentions are. I'm just saying I know at the table we're not moving there. And I think we'll be on strike until we get to a place where we think 
you fairly address the issues that we've brought up. Now, how, uh, in most people's eyes, it's the teacher strike. That's what you hear, the teacher strike, the teacher strike, teacher strike. And today, uh, last night anyway, there was uh, a suggestion that some progress had been made at the negotiating table that perhaps uh, the strike could be settled this weekend and school could open Monday. That was, I've been in this bubble, uh, Jeffrey, for the last few hours. I don't know what's been breaking outside this room. For all I know, the strike has been settled. Uh, No, it hasn't been settled. Okay. (laughs) I think think even that would have pierced this bubble. Uh, So most people know it again as the teacher strike. Uh, How does your union's strike play into this? In other words, if the teachers uh, announce that they've cut a deal with uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot's negotiators uh, in an hour, how does that impact your union strike? So I would say that both parties signed a solidarity letter saying we wouldn't cross one another's picket line. I think there are some issues that cross both of our organizations that we're trying to work collectively on to make sure we get negotiated. But we have told the mayor and her team in no uncertain terms that if a deal is there to be had for us, we are ready to negotiate a contract and sign a contract. There are a particular amount of issues that we need to be fixed. We think they're very solvable and we are not that far away. It is, they just need to step up, show leadership and get these things resolved. We have told her that countless times, the mayor and her team, that we are ready to make a deal when a deal is ready to be made. We will never cross a picket line that our brothers and sisters at CTU are, and we've made that very clear as well. But if there's a deal to be had, we are ready to make a deal, and we've been ready since the last time we negotiated, which was some days ago. So these are uh, separate negotiations. They are separate negotiations. It's not as though your union, your members, are sitting at the table with the teachers, uh, but it's the same lawyer, We like that. We'd like if we could sit at the table with both. I don't think they. I don't think the city would like that. But no, it's not the same attorney. We have our own negotiated. Uh, uh, CTU has their own negotiator. I see. And uh, why would you like that? Why would that be beneficial to you? I mean, it's power and numbers. It's the whole part about how we, as CTU, SEIU, and the Park District, originally when we all sort of took our strike votes and included all of our members. Right. That's a that's a huge power base. One of the things they said to us in the office, it was unfair that you guys got together. It's mm-hmm. not fair to us. Yeah. Fair that low wage workers say, hey, let's band together and stop accepting being marginalized and underpaid. That's that's sort of how a lot of times we get viewed. But workers have stood up and said, not this year. It's a change here. And I think also and I don't want to speak to CTU, but I think we're talking about how we change public education. The fact that you don't have a librarian in a school is problematic, right? For a lot of children, that's their way to see the world, see a whole another uh, another world that it opens up a bunch of worlds to them that they would never be privy to in their neighborhoods. The fact that you have a nurse in a school who can detect a kid may have an ear infection, and that's why he's probably having some problems in the schools. These are small things that schools should just have. Why are these conversations? I don't. It's it's perplexing to me as to how we can't get there that you can't pay a bus aid more money, that you can't pay a SICA more money who deals with children you have to take to the toilet, who are autistic, we have to help them where they can't really socially communicate. I have an autistic child, and I understand how important a paraprofessional and a SICA is to that child's development. A lot of times they live in a world to themselves, and that pair, that SICA is their conduit to the rest of the classroom because children a lot of times can be friendly but children can also be children and don't understand and so that's that person and how those people aren't appreciated and compensated in a way 
that makes sense that they don't have to go out and try to work a second job after you've done that all day. I, it's, I don't understand it. I, there's a deal to be had, and I just think there's some leadership that needs to be shown, and I think we could get it done. All right, let me uh, read to you a uh, quote from an editorial in the Chicago Tribune today. I'd love to get your response to this. I had fun with this uh, myself earlier in the day, but I could get your reaction to this. Uh, I, you probably Did you read this editorial? Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, the first thing you, you when you wake up in the morning every day, Jeffrey Howard, you go, well, let's see what the Chicago Tribune editorial board hey, you know, I probably, <laughs> yeah, okay. okay. I'll put it on my preferred reading list. Okay, yeah, the <laughs> preferred reading list. Uh, right up there with that Paul Rudd special you're going to be watching exactly. anytime now. All right, so here's the Chicago uh, Tribune, uh, which is not known for standing with teachers or any strikers or any union uh, any time in the history of the city of Chicago. Uh, there's a silent majority quietly rooting for Mayor Lightfoot, who won every city ward in the April mayoral election in the strike. But many of those Chicagoans are afraid to be public about their discontent with the labor union. They are afraid of the bullying. They don't want to appear anti-teacher. So do you think there's a silent majority of uh, Chicagoans cowering under their desks for fear that a bully teacher will beat them up uh, for opposing them? This is always the way that the wealthy try to vilify the, the subjected ones. It's like <clears throat> the big bad union is going to take us on if I speak up and say, oh, it's not fair to pay a person $16,000 a year. Would you work for sixteen grand a year? No. It is workers standing up for workers. First of all, I don't think it's a silent majority because the parents and the people we talk to have been 100% supportive of us. And I think that's been reflected in the phone calls and the emails and the Twitters and all of this. It's blowing up Facebook. It's sort of taking all the oxygen out of the air from everything else, this strike. I think people are supportive of our fight because it's a righteous fight. It's not about money. It's about how children get educated and everybody has an opportunity to, to an equal education. That's funded by the public. Public's not a place to make money. The public is a place to take care of the public good. And that's in our parks, which I think we got a good contract. Could have been better, but, you know, I think we had a contract that um, expressed some of the needs that we felt, and we felt it was a good first step in sort of moving that forward. And now the same thing can happen with the schools. These are public spaces, and our children are owed this. They deserve this, to have the same kind of schools on the south side that they have on the north side. Mm -hmm. Teachers that should not have 40 children. My child should not have to be in a class with 40 other kids, expected to be able to learn, and expecting that teacher to be able to effectively teach them. A seeker should not have to take care of four or five children. It's the same thing, right? It is pay folks for what they do, recognize the work that they do, the valuable work that they do. And I don't want to denigrate any worker, but I can go to an auto assembly plant. They can teach me how to put a light bulb on a car in 25 minutes, in an hour. And those workers make a good living. And they should earn that living because working in a factory is difficult. But that being said, then why tell me that a person who takes care of the most vulnerable children in this world are not to be compensated. <laughs> we can't give you that. Mm -hmm. That's ridiculous. Like, and they have the money for it. Mm -hmm. It is such a small, the money that we're asking for is such a small amount of the school district's budget. It wouldn't even register. That's the sort of crazy thing about this. But well, they can throw out millions of dollars numbers and it makes it seem like it's big. But when you're talking about a billion dollar, two billion, seven billion dollar budget, four million dollars is like nothing. It's like a pencil. <laughs> 
Well, let me respectfully disagree with the point that you made when you said uh, it's not about the money. Uh, generally, it is about the money. Uh, in in the case of your your employees, it's about a living wage. Right. So that's that's money. That's money that people need to make a living. Uh, in the case of where the 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 Tribune's interests are, it's money that they would not that they do not want earmarked for your employees. I, I don't mean to insult your employees, but when the when the Tribune and the people, uh, the powers that be in the city, resist you, uh, your union's demands for a higher wage, they're essentially telling you we'd rather spend that money on other things. Priorities, absolutely. Okay, so yeah, they have a different priority with the money. Yeah, I agree. everything's about it's money. Money, but it's about money, to money. Yeah, that's correct. Okay, it's always about the money, right. even when it's not about the money. It's okay. I just have to throw that out there, uh, and so yeah, I I do believe it's about it's. This is a fight. Uh, Jeffrey, that I've not seen. I, I don't know if as your unions ever gone. I, my memory is fading here as I get older. I don't believe your unions have gone on strike when the teachers have gone on strike before. So this is the first time I recall bus aides going on strike. Am I correct on that? That's correct. And in the old days, if the teachers went on strike and the schools were shut, would your bus aides still get paid? If they went to work, they would. But we should have honored a strike. We there were some issues in the past, and we've and we've fix those issues. That's why we're sort of trying to work together with the CTU because together we bring a much stronger and much more powerful uh, voice that people have to recognize. Gotcha. And that's what surprised me. <laughs> now you also represent uh, park district employees. That's correct. Talk about those negotiations. So those were very contentious negotiations as well. They lasted nine months and, you know, we made some meaningful changes. And I think in the end we came up with the deal that, um, wasn't the greatest, but I think it made sense for our members and it made sense for us to settle that contract. Was there pressure from the other union said, hey, stay out just to be a solidarity or strength? No, I don't think. I think they understood that, you know, we have a constituency that we had to look at. And so we had to weigh a lot of factors. Right. And in any contract, you never get the things that you all the things that you want. But I think um, many of the things that we were looking for in that contract of ways to wages of the lower of our lower paid workers, they addressed those issues and we felt like that it was a contract that we needed to take to our members for them to be able to vote on. So how do you see this playing out? I think leadership will prevail and a contract will get done that I think the parties can both um, be satisfied with. That's my hope, but we will be out until that moment occurs. You're optimistic then? I'm always optimistic have to look at things positively. We have smart people in the room. All we need to do is get the smart people in the room, the decision makers in the room. If we can get the people that make the decisions in the room, then I think we can get a deal done. And up to now, that hasn't happened. Now, uh, in the past, uh, Chicago's politicians have been very uh, cautious. Uh, the elected officials have been very cautious about siding with teachers uh, in these disputes because they were afraid of alienating the mayor. In 2012, uh, many of the politicians in the city of Chicago were either uh, openly for the mayor or hiding under this table, uh, just did not wanting to get involved. Like, I think I can name five aldermen, if I had to do that, that stood with the teachers. Uh, what's it like now in terms of the landscape, politically speaking, here in Chicago? Is there more support for the strikers this time around? 
Absolutely. And I think if you've seen our rallies, we've had lots of aldermen who've come to our rallies and been in support of it. We did, I think we did a 50 automatic visits today with a lot of our striking members and visited aldermen and, excuse me, asked for their support. And I think we got a lot of that support. I think it's easy to be on the side of right. And I think it is not an easy, it is, it is not easy. I mean, it is easy to say that these workers need more money and it's the right side of the fight to be on. No one wants to be on the back side of a fight where you say a person making $16,000 a year that that's enough for them to make, right? It's just a bad side to be on. So I think politicians are with us because I think we have a righteous fight that we are fighting. Well, I gotta. Uh, I'm gonna respectfully disagree with you again. In sh- in the city of Chicago, historically, most of these aldermen would have been on the other side uh, until something has changed. Obviously, politically here in the city, uh, and I see this playing out, Jeffrey. For lack of a better word, the left is beginning to express itself politically uh, in this city, and particularly in in uh, in this labor showdown. Unlike at any time I can recall, definitely 2012, uh, the teachers were more or less alone, uh, with the exception of a handful of people, uh, politically speaking. But this time around, it does seem to be that they do have more solidarity. Uh, I think I guess that's a sign that the left is growing politically. I'm not quite sure how it's going to play out in the city council in terms of budgets passed, in and in, in, in the school board in terms of budgets passed. But it definitely seems to me that the left is expressing itself a little. Uh, a little more louder, a little more vociferously this time around. Do you agree? Yes, I think we have aldermen who were newly elected. Uh, You had a huge DSA contingency that uh, got elected, and they have been very vocal about supporting our cause because, once again, I think it's a righteous cause. Mm -hmm. And so it's easy to get behind a righteous cause because it's the right thing to do. And I think other aldermen have signed on. Like I said, we haven't – we've talked to a few – but I think most aldermen are on board with um, our program because it's, it's just about priorities. Chicago is not a broke city. Chicago has a lot of bills, but ultimately you got to figure out which ones do we really need to pay, where can we cut, and where, can we, where do we really need to be allocating our resources. And everything can't go to those who already have. Somewhere along the line, uh, the mayor has to say, and I'm not here to denigrate the mayor, I'm just trying to say she ran on a platform of, taking care of people who have been chronically ignored, chronically underpaid. And that's what we're asking her to do. Show leadership. Make All sure right. this gets done. Uh, uh, Doris Davenport has entered the studio with her dog. Uh, uh, Jeffrey Howard is sitting in, uh, is here in the studio with me, SEIU Local 73, talking about the support staff of workers who are also on strike. It's not just the Chicago teachers, but as he's saying, it's bus aides, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, you've also had a few presidential candidates stop by. Uh, Elizabeth Warden stopped by. Bernie Sanders came earlier. I think Joe Biden made a phone call. Even Joe Biden uh, weighed in on it. Uh, so how, what's your sense of how the strike is playing outside of the city of Chicago? I think <clears throat> people see it as a real issue, right? I, Senator Sanders came and, you know, he talked about that we had a righteous fight. Mm-hmm. Senator Warren came and laid out a program, but she says we have a righteous fight. So when you start seeing national people say that we have a national, that we have a righteous fight, it just sort of shines a bigger and brighter spotlight on what we're talking about. Right. If you don't have a if you're not about right, then people won't glam onto it. A, a politician is not going to come here uh, 
I wouldn't say that, but I'll just say, yes, I think we have a very righteous fight. And thus, that's why we're getting a lot of national attention. I know our international union has um, been very, very helpful in uh, providing us support to help the workers. We have a lot of organizations who are pouring in with um, asking about ways that they can be helpful in supporting the strikers um, because they know we're trying to not. This is the floor trying to change how public education is viewed but also the workers that provide this education to a lot of disadvantaged students. I want to say 70 or 80 percent of the students that attend Chicago schools are black and brown kids. And then 70 percent of our members who are chronically underpaid under the poverty level. This is work. This is not handouts. This is work. Our members earn every nickel that they get. And they're saying it's not right that they have to live under the poverty level. It's just sort of unacceptable. And why workers had to walk off their job to do that is it doesn't make sense to me that we could come up with, oh, Lincoln Yards, one week. Yeah, we can give them a billion and a half. But Chicago school district workers have been out 15 months trying to negotiate a contract. And we're still talking about it nine days into a strike, if you want to count the weekends, seven days out of schools, children out of school seven days because workers are saying what you've been giving us is not enough. We had contracts in the past where workers had raises that the schools could say, oh, we don't have the money. We're not going to pay you. Mm -hmm. Not only are they low paid, but the schools could not give them the raise. That's ridiculous. The, uh, my friends who uh, of, are of uh, big supporters of Mayor Lori Lightfoot tell me, Ben, uh, those teachers would have gone on strike anyway. It, Mayor Lori Lightfoot could have given them absolutely everything they're asking for. Those teachers would have gone on strike anyway because they just wanted to go on strike. And that's just a fact, Ben. You have to accept that. That's what my friends of who are, love Mayor Lori Lightfoot tell me. What's your response to that? Hence why I don't think we have a deal done because I think they're misrepresenting what we're saying at the table. I think people did not want to go on strike. No one wants to strike. No one wants to tell a worker to walk off their job. First of all, teachers do the work they do because they love it, not because they're getting rich doing it. Just like our support staff, our bus aides, our security officers, they love these children. They love taking care of them. They know they are an integral part to these children's having a successful future. And so it's a hard thing to their hearts that their children are not in school and we're outside fighting because I have to fight for myself. And so they took a stand. And it's always vilify the workers, not how can we look at what we're doing differently. And they're going to look at what they're doing differently, or we're going to continue to be out. All right. It's Jeffrey Howard, Executive Vice President, SEIU Local 73. Thanks so much, Jeffrey, for stopping in. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right. We got Doris Davenport on deck. We're going to bring her on when we return. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. We got to get down to business. It's Chicagoland's Adult Entertainment Playground. 
It's the world-famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world-famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter. Hey, podcast fans, I'm assuming that's you because you're listening to this podcast. The Chicago Sun-Times political web series, The Fran Spielman Show, is now available as a podcast. That's why I was saying, hey, podcast fans. The Fran Spielman Show features weekly interviews with lawmakers, journalists, and others who are shaping our city. Fran, you know this, she holds nothing back. She goes deep into City Hall to bring you the real scoop on Chicago politics. And right now, you can listen to her show on all. That's A-L-L, all of your favorite podcast apps. Head to City Hall with Fran and get even more great political coverage from the Chicago Sun-Times. Listen and subscribe now at suntimes.com forward slash Fran, F-R-A-N hyphen show. That's suntimes.com forward slash Fran hyphen show welcome back to the ben jarofsky hyphen show live from the chicago sun times doris davenport in the studio with me she's getting stuff ready uh bustling up before she sits down and uh answers my grueling questions i'm gonna throw at her she brought her clipboards and everything before we bring on the doors what have what you got from young man i got a few things i saw the clipboards with doris had i thought she brought pat quinn along <laughs> Pat Quinn is usually the only guy who brings clipboards to the studio, but I think Doris has got me signing oh something. Or I had a Halloween party. He came with clipboards. Yeah, no, it's Pat. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't have a Halloween party. All right, right now posted on the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, and at ChicagoReader.com. Well, it's the latest Chicago Reader column from our very own Ben Jarofsky. The article is titled Feast of Famine. The picture of it's creeping me out. <laughs> Is that Bezos? Yes. Oh, my God. He looks weird. Ben, tell everybody what they'll learn when reading this. All right. This is a column that uh, has been brewing in my head for a while. And uh, it really is about what I call the public amnesia in the city of Chicago. We forget things. It's like we, we, are, we are pushed in different directions uh, based on whatever, I don't know, the powers that be want. So, for instance, it was a year ago, one year ago that we were in the midst of the bring Amazon to Chicago bonanza sweepstakes. Uh, cities across the country were competing for the right to get uh, uh, Amazon to agree to move a headquarters uh, to their towns. Chicago was offering hundreds of millions of dollars. We don't even know how uh, many hundreds of millions of dollars we were offering in public money, the state and the city. It was a project being shepherded by Mayor Rahm. You remember him. He used to be the mayor of the city of Chicago and Governor Rahm. Or you remember him. He used to I be, don't recall. Yeah, you don't know, recall. Isn't that <laughs> funny? We have amnesia. Uh, Doris Davenport remembers Governor Rahm. They got together. Supposedly they didn't get along, but they got along great in this one, opening up the public purse. Hundreds of millions of dollars being offered to Amazon and things like state tax 
tax credits, uh, in, in things like property tax breaks in in the city, uh, in things like, hey, have some land. You want some land? Like the best land, the prime land uh, in downtown Chicago and in and around downtown Chicago was being offered to Amazon. They were being ushered around, the Amazon representatives, through the city. Take a look at this land. Maybe you like that one. Take a look at this land. Maybe you like that one. And then when the people ask, well, where are you showing? What sites? The city would say, we can't tell you because we signed a non-disclosure agreement. They couldn't tell. They wouldn't even tell us how much they were offering. Meanwhile, man, the Tribune and the Sun-Times editorial boards, come on, Amazon. Oh, my God, please come. Please come. So it was interesting. Money was no object. Absolutely. Money. There was tons of money to be spent on Amazon. Fast forward a year later, teachers are on strike saying we need more money for nurses librarians, social workers in poor schools where black kids go, oh, no, no money, we're broke. Come on, got to be responsible, teachers. Who's that an impression of? <laughs> Anybody in particular? Anybody we know? No, it's just sort of my collective, oh. uh, be responsible. Oh. And uh, it's just like, how could, how could it be that we were so rich and so flush with cash a year ago when we were trying to... Uh, Woo Amazon. Doris Davenport maybe can help me with this. She has her own talk, so she, she thinks of big ideas all the time. So, Doris, how could it be that a year ago there was no shortage of money when it came to bringing Amazon to town, owned by the richest man in the world, I like to point out, the one of the wealthiest companies in the world. Let's give them all the money they want. But now suddenly, when it comes to hiring some nurses in the public school, up, oh, sorry, we're broke. Please explain <laughs> that to me, Doris Davenport. It makes no sense. It really doesn't. And, and let me just say, I support our mayor. I am very proud of the fact that we have the very first African-American female um, uh, mayor of the city of Chicago. And, you know, I want her to do very well. But this is not the place to flex the muscle. And she's not a pushover. We know that. So she's not going to just stand there and give away the house. But this is the store. Mm -hmm. But this is not giving away the store. These are kids. The fact that we're fighting about librarians, counselors, if we're going to have any hope about turning around crime in the city, about really, really um, uh, shoring up these underserved neighborhoods, we have to do it in the schools, in the Chicago public schools. Does the mayor's daughter go to Chicago public schools? I, I, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Did the former mayor's daughter? Uh, children go to Chicago public schools? Uh, no, they did not. No, they did not. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> Mueller <laughs> weighs in. And I think, you know, mm -hmm. we have to look at those situations too. But really, I think that both the mayor must be surprised and maybe the business community is surprised also. But my ear has been to the ground on this one. And the large majority of the general public stand with the teachers on this one. This is not a situation where um, uh, <clears throat> the mayor can think that the people are not with the teachers. No matter which neighborhood I go to, no matter who I talk to, the people understand once and for all, if you make a promise, why wouldn't you put it in writing? Mm -hmm. And they're not asking for it tomorrow. They're saying, just give us the guarantee. Let us know that you're going to, when the money comes in, you're going to put the money where you say you're going to put it. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. That's a, that's a reasonable ask. No, but I, I, I agree with you. And I just, the point I was making in that, uh, the column I wrote, uh, in the, uh, just remove it from this current debate, Doris. Mm -hmm. And that is this. 
It's impossible in this town to have anything remotely resembling an objective discussion of where we're at with our finances, where we're at with funding schools, when the argument shifts based on the needs of the power players. It's so selective. It's so selective. So plenty of money for Amazon. Let's mm -hmm. not worry about the consequences to the public purse. Lincoln but Yards got their share. Got their share. The, nobody even discussed the tax implications of Lincoln Yards. The, the Most of the issues and discussions and debate over the Lincoln Yards development deal were how high were the skyscrapers? Like right. issues that nobody outside the general, that little corner of Lincoln Park right, cared about. Right. How high are this? Would there be a soccer field there? Mm -hmm. I mean, nobody was talking about the impact that that project would have That's right. on taxpayers how much, or in the schools. But so, but when we get to the teachers, all of a sudden, oh, come on, Ben, you got to understand. Right. We have some fiscal restraints here. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's I'm like, so tired of hearing the argument when it comes to black kids, black and brown kids. I'm tired of it. And I don't want to have a black mayor and, ha and hear that argument anymore. I just don't. I just don't. I'm sorry, but I have no ear for that kind of conversation. I don't. If you say that you support the community and you're willing to be the political sacrificial lamb, this is the place to do it. If there ever was an issue to do it on, it's for the kids. Well, well Doris, I believe that Lori Lightfoot would be a hero. I do too. If she, if she, yes, brought nurses and librarians yes. into poor schools. Yes, I believe she would. Don't you agree? That's the kind of thing you do when you have a mandate. You really—that's the kind of thing you do. You talk about historical. No mayor, no sitting mayor before since Harold Washington would have even thought about doing anything like this. That would make her go down in history as the people's mayor, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah, what because, a legacy that. No, that would be. I mean, I'm just thinking about this, Doris. I mean, any mayor can cut a deal uh, with wealthy developers yes. to build a high rise in an area where the developers are going to make money as Save soon as they, that. Anybody? Save yeah, that. that's. Yes. But really confronting mm -hmm. these inequities. Yeah. That I mean, it, that's what's uncomfortable for people. But if you really want to show people leadership, that's the that's where you do it. Because if she does that, in my view, that empowers the legislators in Springfield because they want to be able to go back to their communities and have happy parents and happy teachers and happy children that are going to vote for them mm -hmm. to get back in office. I think by her not doing it, well, but they're both saying that they're making strides, so I don't want to put that on her that she's not doing it. Um, but it certainly, I think, makes it easier for her to go to Springfield for some of the other asks that she's going to have to have mm -hmm. if she doesn't want to raise property taxes. Well, th that's a good point. Uh, if she doesn't want to raise, she doesn't want to raise property taxes. So, yes, she goes to Springfield. That's a great, very good point that you raise. In other words, she could go to Springfield with the Chicago teacher. How about that? Stacey Davis Gates uh, and Mayor Lori Lightfoot going arm in arm, arm, to, in Springfield. arm to Springfield. Imagine that. They'd have to be holding arms to keep from swinging at each other. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're absolutely correct. Uh, yeah. They go to Springfield together. Yeah, what a partnership. What a partnership indeed mm -hmm. uh, to look for some state funding to hire these uh, nurses. Politics makes strange bedfellows. Yeah. yeah. It, it is, you know, uh, do you think, I mean, I don't think I've ever asked you this question. I'm going to put you in the hot spot with uh -oh. this one. Uh, I've, I believe, in my humble opinion, I can't, I voted for Lori Lightfoot. Mm -hmm. All right. I've said that. I voted for her twice. I was two for two voting for her. I voted for her the first round. I voted for her the second round. Um, and uh, but I'm a big fan of the Chicago Teachers Union. 
That said, I felt the, the Chicago Teachers Union overplayed its hand in that election by vilifying Lori Lightfoot so strongly the way they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, my guess is that uh, there's some spillover resentment by Lori Lightfoot to that union. I'm sure there is, because that's politics, right? I mean, you don't, you, you, you pay attention first, I think, to the people who brought you to the dance. And then you look at everybody else. So I'm sure in her view, that's probably what she's doing, except that a lot of the people that the CTU support and who the Chicago public schools are made up of are the people who put her in office. So she's kind of caught in the middle of that road. Mm-hmm. The CTU is an entity that was against her. But if she got every ward, then she got a lot of the parents vote in those wards. So she's she can't look at it like CTU. She has to look at it. Like, it's the kids. Yeah, it's the kids. Uh, and she probably got a lot of teachers' votes, too. Probably, because leadership is one thing, and then the general population of teachers is another. Yeah. yeah. Um, by the way, yeah. as long as we're talking about unions, I have to ask you this. I didn't tell you I was going to ask you about this, but we talked about this earlier. Uh, Donald Trump is coming to town. Tuesday, right? Is it Tuesday? I can't remember. I've lost. Oh, I Monday. Forgot. Oh, is it Monday? Monday. Oh, I think Barack it's Obama's Monday. coming Tuesday. Well, that caught me off guard. I thought he lived here. Well, Barack and Michelle are coming in. <laughs> oh, gee. I thought he lived here. I guess uh, he only just drops in from time to time, huh? He's straddling that East Coast, you know, Midwest. Barack Obama <laughs> left office uh, in 2016 and said, I am out of here. Uh, he keeps that house down in uh, Kenwood, but he's... I- <laughs> Uh, so anyway, uh, the Fraternal Order of Police and in its infinite wisdom, uh, they um, uh, had a no vote of vote of no confidence in Eddie Johnson. Did you see this? I actually chief. did not see that. Yeah. Police chief on the grounds that he was not going to attend uh, that conference, uh, the conference where Donald Trump was. And so they were, they don't uh, vote that's no right. Confidence. I, did, I did hear yeah, that actually. Uh, our, our politics in Chicago, man, are just, you, mm-hmm. on one hand you have the teachers union, which is perhaps, uh, the most outspoken progressive union yeah. in the country, maybe mm-hmm. arguably in there. And then on the other hand, you got the fraternal order of police right. that loves Trump. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, you know, I have a big problem, of course, as you know, with the fraternal order of police, um, the things that they have done. And, and I have friends who are in that in that union and we talk openly about it i just there's nothing that they can say that i would support knowing that they've been out there at these rallies they allow the white supremacists to march with them they know they're infiltrating the rallies they're not doing any due diligence to try and make sure that that doesn't happen you know these these mistakes where you hear these uh different lyrics of certain songs on their loudspeakers i'm just not for it and what they're trying to do to kim fox never going to happen I, I, I just can't All right, give me the them. defense of Kim Fox. The defense of Kim Fox is that she is doing what the people who voted for her asked her to do, and that's criminal justice reform. And people who want to keep talking about Jussie Smollett, that is just so ridiculous to no end. I mean, what makes him any different from anybody else that he shouldn't have a diversion program, that he shouldn't be part of a diversion program? He doesn't have a, He fits every single criteria that you have to be a participant in the diversion program. Mm-hmm. He has a nonviolent background. It's his first offense. What's wrong with him having it? And the fact that Rahm Emanuel and... Frankly, your your superintendent of uh, chief of police, Eddie Johnson. Eddie Johnson would travel to New York within a 24-hour period before an official investigation was ever even launched to start, you know, uh, get the talking heads to get be on their side. That's just ridiculous. And then the FOP, they are directly responsible for the death threats that Kim Fox and her family have received. It makes no sense. That's not how we treat each other. 
It's not how you treat people. Well, I will respectfully disagree with you on this point. Mm. Um, I believe I, I believe that Kim Fox uh, put herself in a lot of trouble by taking a phone call uh, from Tina Chen. Tina Chen on behalf of uh, Justice Smollett's family, and then calling Eddie Johnson. Uh, I just felt that that was one step too far where a state's attorney should go. And she opened herself up to everything that happened. And is it fair that she is getting hammered the way she is? When no. You, okay. Yes, Not in the city of question. Chicago. Right. No. When, when you consider, I always point out, you know, how when Mayor Daly's nephew oh, slugged yes. that kid yes. and killed that kid. Yes. And there there was no outcry and demand That's about right. the politicization. It took the Sun-Times like 10 years That's of right. writing stories before yeah. they got, <laughs> you know. And so I just find it interesting that people in this town pick and choose yeah. the outrage they're going to have. Exactly. But nonetheless... She shouldn't have done it. That's my, my she. Over- well, that's okay. If she made a mistake, that's a mistake. But that's not a mistake to lose your job over. That's not a mistake to have death threats thrown against you for the FOP to come out publicly like that. Not in the city of Chicago. No. Doris mm-hmm. Davenport, I'm predicting this right now. No way she's losing her job. I do not she's believe. She's not going to lose her she's job. Gonna she's going to win handily. Yeah. Yeah. I think she will win handily. Doris Davenport's my guest. We're going to take a break. Come back. Talk some Trump, Trump, Trump. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Mr. Jarofsky, take us to the weekend. Yeah, what a week it's been. Friday, it's the end of a long week, a long contentious weekend. A teacher strike the whole week, D. Good God. Uh, great coverage by the young man over there from Alton, Illinois, uh, uh, dealing with all the updates on the teacher strike. You got something breaking for me right there, Dennis? Oh, I don't know if it's breaking. We have an update on the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page. Uh, Ben's been talking about it all day. The Chicago Tribune and their take on this teacher strike. <laughs> what, were your, uh, uh, what were your thoughts on that again, I Ben? I would love to get uh, Doris Davenport's thoughts on this. But before uh, we do, I got to mention that our post here on the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page. What do you make of Chicago Tribune? opinions takes on the our tri- Chicago Tribune opinions take on the current strike on SEIU Local 73 and the Chicago Teachers Union. We have an article posted on the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page and feel free to leave us your comments. Pat Rod weighed in on the Facebook page. He says, tell this silent majority to get out from under Ben's table. Let's <laughs> give Are Pat. they under there? Yeah, well, they're hiding. They're hiding. Yeah, they're hiding under the table because, you know, they don't want anybody to know uh, that they're saying there's no money uh, when the teachers want to hire nurses, but then there's plenty of money when Amazon wants a handout. Those so. bastards. Yeah. All right, Julie weighed in. She says, I am proudly not a part of that majority. Uh, and then Benjamin weighed in, and he said, how would the Trib editorial board know about what Chicagoans are saying to each other when they all live in the suburbs? Oh, that's a good this one. editorial is clutching at straws. They refuse to actually acknowledge the why of the teachers and they hug the conservative silent majority trope because they can't actually back their assertion that everyone is behind them with the reporting yeah yeah that uh silent majority trope is a good one i'd even point that out that the silent majority was a phrase uh that that emerged from the nixon white house back in the early uh 70s to justify nixon's policies like well there's a silent majority of people out here who support us so they what a bad choice of word anyway and silent majority isn't that crazy sharky I um, yeah. oh. <laughs> oh. R- right now. Oh, okay. Um, He's a little busy. <laughs> He's busy today. 
<laughs> Tribute's just mad because when they walk out down the street, no cars honk at them. All right, Doris Davenport, you got to hear this. I know you don't read Tribune editorials, but I do because I want to know what the other side is saying, all right? Hey, open mind, Doris. Maybe they'll convince me, okay? That's right. You that's know, right. There's always that chance. All right. uh, so I know uh, the Tribune was a big fan of your good friend, Pat Quinn, when he was in office. They yeah. did everything they could to make life easier for oh, Pat. Oh, they sure did. Uh, and uh, anyway, uh, they this is what the tri- uh, Tribune says. They've been against the teacher strike from the get-go. They're against the well, Chicago they, Teachers Union in general. On. They think they're, they're the ones that are supposed to be um, selecting our elected officials, so why not be against the teacher strike, too? Yeah. Well, they're actually beyond the t- teacher strike. They're against the teachers union. But here they go. Uh, they say many Chicago's uh, are outraged by the strike. We hear from them. There's a silent majority quietly rooting for Lightfoot, who won every city ward in the April mayoral election in the strike. But many of those Chicagoans are afraid to be public about their discontent with the labor union. They are afraid of the bullying. They don't want to appear anti-teacher. Uh, <laughs> they're afraid of teacher bullies who are going to go shake them down for nickels and quarters. You want to know what I got to say about that? Mm -hmm. Fake news. (laughs) (laughs) See, what the Tribune does is they've taken up, they really have, I think they taught Donald Trump and they're also taking a card out of his book, out of his deck. No collusion. (laughs) (laughs) That was good, Dennis. Really, they make the decision on which way they want to sway opinion and they write an editorial on it. There's no truth in that. I don't believe. Yeah. And even if there is, it's a small percentage of people because the wide majority of people, you go past these schools and listen to the people honking their horns for the teachers. I remember those days when we shut down the uh, Museum of Science and Industry underground parking garage renovation, underground parking garage um, building that they were doing. When was that? Oh, gosh, this is going back some 20 years. When you were with a push? When I was the director of the International Trade Bureau, they, they fired all the black truckers. One morning, that afternoon, they replaced them with white truckers, paid them $5 an hour more, which, of course, you know, a two-tier paid system in the state of Illinois is illegal. Mm -hmm. And we shut the site down for a whole month. And the first week, people were really angry because literally traffic was backed up like crazy. But by the end of that week, people were just honking their horns, bringing us donuts and coffee. And and that's what I see now. Well, this this is why I (laughs) one of my favorite memories uh, it was when the, um, and I don't even know where you stood on this. We may have been on opposite sides of this one, uh, the Olympics. Uh, oh, I was yeah. very, very much against the Olympics <laughs> coming to Chicago, was spending all that money for that, for a big uh, public s- spectacle for Mayor Daley. But uh, anyway, the day of the, finally the day the IOC was going to announce mm-hmm. who the winner was. There were five cities, as I recall, that were in contention for the honor. And I was going down to um, Washington Park. I was going to watch the announcement from Washington Park, which is on the south side of Chicago, uh, not far from the Museum of Science Industry mm-hmm. that you just mentioned. That's what uh, tipped it in my mind. And I figured, well, I'll go. Uh, that's where the main Olympic Stadium was going to be. So I figured I'll go to Washington Park mm-hmm. uh, and see what the reaction is on the day that Chicago. I thought Chicago was going to get the Olympics. Everybody mm-hmm. in Chicago thought we were going to get the Olympics. <laughs> we were the first city eliminated. All right. right? I, and so I got the call uh, when I was driving down to Hyde Park, to, to Washington Park, to, uh, to, to interview people, et cetera, mm-hmm. and so forth, from a friend of mine. He goes, Ben, you won't believe this. We're already eliminated. So I started honking my horn. <laughs> I was so happy. I was honking my horn. Other people were honking. Nobody wanted that Olympics. See, that's what I'm saying, uh, yeah. Doris. We're our 
public opinion in this town is is always manipulated. It's true. And you know what? Even with the Olympics at the time, and, and under the Daily Administration, we had a lot of this. You had a select few black and brown people who were going to benefit. But the, the masses, the neighborhoods were not going to benefit. The people in the community who go to work every day, who are suffering under all of these ticketing and fees and red light cameras and all of that, those are the people that would not have benefited from the Olympics. Absolutely. And that's what's sad about that. Yeah. And the whole city, was, it was together. It's, it's, it's like these, these campaigns that erupt mm-hmm. uh, with just pretending as though it has widespread support. Right. Like the Olympics. Everybody's for the Olympics. I'm like, no, I don't know anybody. Everybody's not for the Olympics. Olympics. Yeah. I mean, if you put in the abstract, do you want the Olympics? Oh, yeah. Okay. Do you want to pay for the Olympics? No. No. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And that's the reality. We would have been paying for the Olympics. That's right. Uh, And uh, Amazon. Oh, Amazon. Amazon. Right. A lot of people I knew were not for Amazon. No, because first of all, they couldn't guarantee the jobs, what level jobs there are, what what kind of training they were going to provide for the jobs. Who was really going to benefit from that? Well, I got to tell you this right now. I've just been doing some reading about this uh, for that column I wrote. And uh, so originally Amazon was promising 50,000 jobs. Uh, and then all of a sudden they said, well, it was 50,000 jobs for one city. Mm-hmm. Then they gave it to two cities, New York and uh, Alexandria and Virginia. Uh, and so that was 25,000. Mm-hmm. New York said we, they didn't want it. So there was just the one city in uh, Virginia. And I just read the latest article and it turns out uh, at the moment, it's like we're talking 200 jobs. Oh, see, this is what I mean. This is the same kind of okie doke that Harold Washington warned us about. Don't believe the okie doke. Yeah. And it's, uh, so anyway, uh, I had a little fun <laughs> Remember, oh, going down memory lane. Uh, Doris Davenport, you're the host of your own show on WCPT. I said it there. How about that, D, huh? There you go. All right. Uh, and, He's uh, moving on. I can move- strides. <laughs> <laughs> that's, <laughs> my, that's my therapy session here. Uh, so who you got an interesting guest tomorrow, one I'm going to have next week. Talk uh, about it. That's right, Tom. Trusser's coming in tomorrow, and we're going to be talking about tiffs, tiffs, and more tiffs. Mm. Uh, he's got a real camp that he's beginning um, against all of these tiffs. Now, how that's going to tie into what Lori Lightfoot spoke about during her budget address on Wednesday, we're going to find out. Uh, But, you know, he's been a leader. He's held public meetings throughout the city of Chicago from every corner you can imagine. Um, I think he uh, kind of, when you you started... When you started your show here, he kept on with the TIFFs. You were the one who, I don't think anybody has written more about TIFFs <laughs> yeah. in the city of Chicago than you. Yeah. But uh, Trust is going to come on tomorrow, and we're going to spend the hour talking about TIFFs. All right, TIFFs, I'm looking tiffs, forward tiffs. to it. Yeah, young Thomas knows a lot about TIFFs, and he'll be here late, uh, next week as well. We'll be talking TIFFs. I, and that's uh, 10 o'clock tomorrow morning on WCPT. W. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, I moved on, D, all right? But please tune in to WPNA on Sunday nights from 6 to 8 p.m. because I'll be there, too. And you can watch both shows on Facebook on the Doris Davenport Show page. All right, very good. Now, Doris, I, I want you to hear uh, AOC versus Zuckerberg. You got that, D? This Question. is my... In your ongoing dinner parties with far-right figures, some of who advanced the conspiracy theory that white supremacy is a hoax, did you discuss so-called social media bias against conservatives, and do you believe there is a bias? Uh, Congresswoman, um, so I don't remember everything that was in the, send- in, in the question. That's all right. I'll move on. Can you explain why you've named The Daily Caller, a publication white, uh, well-documented with ties to white supremacists as an official fact-checker for Facebook? Congresswoman, sure. We actually don't appoint the independent fact-checkers. They go through 
an independent organization called the Independent Fact-Checking Network that has a rigorous standard for who they allow to, uh, to serve as a fact-checker. So you would say that white supremacist-tied uh, publications meet a rigorous standard for fact-checking? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Congresswoman, I would say that we're not the one assessing that, that standard, the International Fact-Checking Network is the one who is setting that standard. Wow. Wow. Man, ducking and That's dodging. That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, talk about being caught off guard. He was like wobbling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the she, wobble, wobble. She, she hit him with the haymaker, and he was like, habada, 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 habada. What do I say? <laughs> uh, and in some ways, she let him off the hook. She did. She had him. And, uh, and she had, moved on. She moved on. Which is surprising. Yeah. She should never. She should not have let him off the hook. She and there was another uh, clip that we played where she really had him on the, on the hook where she was asking him point blank, mm -hmm. "Would you take an ad that uh, was uh, blatantly a lie? For instance, would you take an ad?" And I, she gave an example mm -hmm. in which one Republican was saying his Republican opponent in a primary uh, supported the Green New Deal, which mm -hmm. I don't think any Republican in the world supports, even though they should. Right. right. And uh, he, he first he said, I'm sorry, I didn't understand a question. Mm -hmm. Which was a diversion in and of itself. <laughs> so she repeated the question mm -hmm. and and then he there was this pause that he does this. He pauses yeah. and you have to wait him out. And then she moved on. And as she was moving on, he said probably. Mm. In other words, yeah. he was thinking it through and he goes Yeah. You know, I heard somebody say something really interesting about Zuckerberg and his position that he's in. Um, and I haven't really thought it out, so I'm not suggesting that I adopt this position. But, you know, it makes it complicated when you hear questions like that, because if she had not asked that question, the public, first of all, would not know that a white nationalist connected organization is one of the main fact checkers of uh, Facebook ads. That's, mm -hmm. that's troubling within, in, in, in and of itself. But what somebody said is that they were sensitive to Zuckerberg because if he got into the business of fact checking and made that part of what Facebook does, he becomes a publisher as opposed to a purveyor Absolutely. of um, what he's offering to the public. Mm -hmm. And so, and I get that, I understand it, but I think that when Google, Facebook, when you have that much power and you are a monopoly, then you don't get to, you don't get that pass. If you're willing to share the wealth and let other businesses come in that do what you do, then okay, I can see that but not when you're the only one and you're the major one. Yeah, he does not want to be accountable yeah. for the information or misinformation that's published on Facebook. Right. He does not want to be held accountable for that. He doesn't want to employ people to go through it, sift through it on a regular basis yeah. uh, to see if it's true or not true. Yeah, or I mean, he took down the Russian ads, okay. He says he took those down, but yet he's also saying at the same time that he's not going to look at all of these political ads and make a determination mm -hmm. on what's correct and what's not correct, yeah. or what's false and what's not false. He's also been intimidated by the right to a degree. The reason why yeah. that right-wing uh, white supremacist group gets the status it does in part is because uh, Republicans have been saying he's, I can't believe, they, like, <laughs> like they actually believe this, that he favors Democrats yeah. over them. So to mm -hmm. bend over backwards to win over Republican support, mm -hmm. 
he allows, you know, he allows this group to have that kind of control. And he says, I'm not even going to police the ads. And by the way, this is a huge advantage for Donald Trump, Doris. I know you know this. Donald Trump has uh, raised uh, millions of dollars well beyond what the Democrats have Mm -hmm. because he's he's running on a post, essentially. So it's just easy. He doesn't have to spend it yet. He's ready to barrage Facebook. He is. With all kinds of propaganda. That's right. And so, and that and for that reason, knowing that there was so much fake news on Facebook in the last election, for Zuckerberg not to take a position of and knowing that it's going to infiltrate, it's it's just not good. Uh, it's not good business. It, it let's uh, turn to this. Uh, you told me you had a three-hour deposition yesterday. Tell people what's out, what that's all about. Yeah. So I think many people probably have read the uh, articles in the paper over the last three weeks about the Wheaton teenagers who were proselytizing in Millennium Park. Mm-hmm. They were uh, detained and told that they could not proselytize in the park. I'm not sure they were detained officially, but they were told they couldn't be there. And uh, they were, I think some of them had signs, some of them were passing out leaflets, and then others were actually with a megaphone uh, talking about their cause, which is trying to convert people to Christianity. And the park district would not allow them to do that. So they got a lawyer, and the lawyer suing the city. And part of that, when I read about it, I immediately thought about the time that I was detained and threatened with arrest in Millennium Park because I had my clipboards. <laughs> and <laughs> when I went into the park yeah. and went through security, they told me that I could not come into the park with my clipboards, and the security and I kind of went back and forth. Wait, tell me about they saw the clipboards? When yeah. you went through security, they check your bags? Yeah, they check your bags. This, these are the nights when they have the movies and I the see. concerts. Yeah. So they went through your bags, they saw the clipboards, and they told you you could not bring the clipboards they in? Told, they asked me, what, were I, what, was I, what was my intention? What was I going to do with them? And I said, I'm, I'm here to get signatures. Look at all those people. Those are voters. I want signatures. And you were gathering signatures for? For Take Charge Chicago Term Limits on the Mayor's Office. Pat Quinn's referendum. That's correct. Okay, go ahead. And so uh, after we went back and forth, he told me that um, I could not go in the park. I said, well, I, I'm going in the park. <laughs> and he said, I'm being detained. And I said, I don't think you have the authority to detain me. You're not a police officer. You don't have any authority over me. And my comings and goings, I suggest that you call somebody who's a superior to come and talk to me because I'm not, I'm not, I don't recognize your authority. I said, so I'm going to go in the park. I'll stay along the perimeter so it'll be easy for you to find me when they get here, whoever you're going to call. And he said, well, if you go into the park, you can be arrested. And I'm just letting you know that you make the choice. I'm going to make a phone call. But if you don't wait right here, so I I decided to wait, Mm -hmm. and it took a really long time for these white shirts to come. I call them white shirts, but they they were wearing white shirts. They were wearing white shirts. Mm -hmm. So I imagine they came down from one of the ivory towers around Millennium Park, and they came down and talked with me. And um, after a while, the guy finally said, you can go into the park if you agree. Well, here's the issue. The, The security guard nor the uh, park district administrators could show me or cite any statute that said I could not come into the park and uh, collect signatures. Mm-hmm. So I, the, the lawsuit, I'm an intervener of that lawsuit. The lawsuit for the teenagers, I'm intervening to include political activities. Because, you know, a lot of my forefathers were... Um, in bondage in this country, and they fought for freedom. 
They fought for this democracy that we live in. I am a blue-blooded American. And as a United States citizen, I, I really respect freedom of speech. I respect a fair and equal election. And I take issue very, very strongly with anyone telling me that I don't have a constitutional right that the, constitutional, that the Constitution says I have. We're not going to deal with Trump, who said part of the Constitution is phony. You know, Chicago seems to be wanting to do the same thing, which, frankly, you know, is another thing where I say our mayor could be a hero not picking up Rahm Emanuel's cause on this issue of, um, you know, the, the former Park District Commissioner, which has been retained by this administration, um, profligated these rules right before her inauguration, and they've been allowed to stand. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. No, I'm not. Wait, time out. You're talking about Michael Kelly, the head yes. of the Park District. Who yes. Was, he was a Robin appointee, and he's still the head. And he promulgated these rules. Mm-hmm. Um, now, have you seen him? Do you know that? What is the definition of a room to you? This is a, we're in a room right now with well, four walls. Walls makes walls, it a room. And I, I guess a ceiling as yeah, well. And okay. a floor probably, right? Yeah. Not yeah, made see, of grass. Yeah, yeah. So the, yeah. the city of Chicago now calls Millennium Park the boundaries of Columbus Drive, uh, Randolph in Michigan, and I think Balboa is the other street. I'm not sure. These are rooms. Not Balboa. It would be uh, if, if for Millennium Park. It wouldn't yeah, be Balboa. It, Paul, it would be it? Uh, no, no, no. Um, Randolph. Uh, would it be Madison? Uh, the 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 southern Monroe. boundary Monroe. Monroe. The southern boundary yeah, of Millennium Park. Right, 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 right where the Art Institute is. I guess right, that would be Monroe. Right. Yeah. So these are rooms, and mm-hmm. they have broken it up into twelve or fourteen rooms, and they all have names. And they call these rooms, and these rooms are around the Great Lawn, which is where the Pritzker Pavilion is. Mm-hmm. And so they have decided that one, some of these rules that were promulgated by um, Commissioner Kelly says that you cannot go into these rooms and gather signatures. You can, you can only come on the sidewalk, like of Randolph and uh, Michigan Avenue, the sidewalk, not where the greatest concentration of people are who come com- yeah. in that community spirit. Uh, so anyway, three hours deposition yesterday. So as an intervener yes. uh, in this lawsuit, you then were uh, the the city. Was it a city attorney that was deposing you? Yes. Uh, so it was a, 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 an attorney from the city of Chicago representing the city of Chicago. There were three attorneys, one from the city, mm-hmm. Governor Quinn, who is um, uh, attorney for the interveners uh-huh. and the attorney for the teenagers. Gotcha. Three lawyers. Yes. <laughs> uh, three and Doris Davenport, who is most definitely not a lawyer. Right. Although she's watched Law and Order many times on TV. <laughs> many times. Uh, and uh, so they were deposing. Who was leading the, the deposition? Was it the, the city city's lawyer? lawyer? Mm-hmm. And what was it a he or a she? I just a he. Get, hey, what was he trying to get from you? What kind of, what, essentially, what was he trying to get you to admit? I, you know, it sounded like he wanted me to. Um, he wanted me to accept that, first of all, their terminology, mm-hmm. that these are rooms, and which makes no sense to me at all. This is a park. It's not a room. The park, even on they, 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 they advertise it as a town square. This is a, it's a town square. It's a public place. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they just wanted to, they wanted anything but the truth. And the truth was, I was detained. I was threatened with arrest. My rights were violated. Uh, and this, the facts stand on their own. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Do you have an update for me? Yeah, we have an update here. It looks like police are blocking uh, marching teachers from entering Lakeshore Drive. Shout out to Pat Whalen. He gave me that update there. But it says here, it's on NBC5, marching Chicago teachers in downtown Chicago were blocked. Uh, police, as they tried to enter Lakeshore Drive during rush hour this afternoon, as their strike entered the seventh day. So well, that was the civil disobedience they were talking about. Um, anyway, Doris Davenport, uh, they picked the wrong person to mess with, I'm sure. Uh, I'll probably be uh, writing a story about this. This is uh, this this fight over Millennium Park goes way back to daily. Uh, the city of Chicago just wants to establish its own control over Millennium Park in many different ways yeah, uh, and treating it lo- almost like it's private property. And they definitely view people like you with petition, gathering petitions as intruders, particularly since the petitions you were gathering, all right, you were circulating on behalf of a term limit mm-hmm. that would work against the mayor of, of the city of Chicago. I'm wondering if they would be uh, so protective of Millennium Park had you been gathering signatures to a Mayor Rahm Emanuel, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, get on the ballot drive. I know. Them. Did you know that Governor Pritzker signed into law right after he um, was sworn in um, a law that says should a petition, should a referendum question get passed by the voters that dealt with something like uh, term limits for the mayor's office or the aldermanic offices, that it cannot apply to the sitting uh, elected official? Yeah, did I, you told me that yesterday. I'm going to have to look into that one. Yeah. Uh, that is getting, that is an attempt uh, very much to undercut. Pat, it is. People in powers that be in the city of mm-hmm. Chicago, the state of Illinois, cannot stand Pat Quinn. Well, that's because... They don't really, in my view, if they ha- take that position, it means that you're not a true reformer. Okay, that's the Doris Davenport view. That's exactly right, uh, because I, these issues are true reform issues. Yeah. and we, Do you know that every other major metropolitan city in the United States has term limits? And you know how I know that? Because Pat Quinn has been in this studio many <laughs> times to, Ben, you know, it's my Pat Quinn. Ben, you know, listen. That's correct. Uh, thank you, Mueller. I was was big, that Trump? No, that was Mueller. <laughs> uh, I was a big fan of Pat Quinn back in the day when he was uh, a maverick, a reformer, uh-huh. and I uh, had my issues with Pat's uh, tenure as governor. And now that he's Citizen Quinn, I'm back to being a big fan of him. Uh-huh. Uh, I love Pat Quinn as the reformer with the clipboard. And uh, defending First Amendment free speech. Hey, where are my conservative friends uh, uh, joining forces uh, with Pat Quinn? There's a that'd be interesting. Anyway, Doris Davenport, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. The Doris Davenport show tomorrow. What time? Uh, tomorrow morning at ten o'clock. And let me just say one thing about Trump. It ain't no fun when the rabbits got the gun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't disagree with that one. Uh, Doris Davenport is my guest. Also want to thank Jeffrey Howard, uh, Executive Vice President of SEIU Local 73, Ramana Hussein, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, as Doris Davenport will tell you, back home in Alton, they call him White White Lightning. Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take another petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody. One more mayor tries to stop me. It's going to be a sea of red waiting in your lobby.
Remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. All right, we had a crazy week as far as the live stream's concerned, but I think I got it figured out here. Tuesday, I'm... Hoping we're going to have a, a nice uh, live stream going on, all right? Remember, you can catch that live stream Tuesdays through Fridays at both uh, Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, uh, the Facebook page at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. We hope that you'll all join us. And remember to download those shows if you ever miss any of the show, okay? Okay, bye.